could spend your whole life studying this case. Oh, I know. People have written books about it. There must be something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There are movies. I get it. I, I mean... It's just wild to me that somehow I've been able to navigate not hearing this story up until I don't this point. know how you have. It's so crazy to me. <laughs> I'm giddy. This is a very this is a very, very rare because I feel like there's not a lot of cases like this. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but this one specifically, it's so famous. I know the name is so well known, and I truly don't know a damn thing about it, which is so nuts. I know that was going to be like, I know we'll get into it, like, but after I do the top line, like, I literally just need to know mm-hmm. what you know, if anything. Um, well, I, I know the name, obviously, and I know it has something to do with someone who wasn't caught or maybe they, they yeah. have they been caught to this day or should I not They've know? Never they been haven't caught. caught. Okay. Um, this was the 1960s. I know that somebody who yeah. was not caught for a long time and I know it has something to do with codes like coded messages or like letters or something like that but that's literally the extent i know nothing of like the nature of the killings obviously i'm assuming it was a serial killer but i'm yeah (laughs) wicked fascinated but before we get into it i did want to ask you and i specifically wanted to ask you on air because you told me you slept walked and then you never like followed oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) i was like i have to ask her on the podcast Okay, so apparently, so this was so weird. I had a dream, and I know it's so like snooze fest to listen to other people's dreams. So that I'll give you the the. I love version. it. Are you kidding? I had this. I had the craziest dream where I could physically feel in my body that my mom and I were in a building that was like going down, basically, and we were on like a lower level floor. So when the when the building started to like crash or like tumble down. Mm-hmm. My mom and I were just like holding each other, like praying that because we were like so low to the ground that we would like make it, I guess. Like we would fall because it was like it was like inception style, just like falling like totally like 90 degrees to the ground. Like it was so it was such a nightmare. And my mom and I like make it out fine. Like but I could physically remember like the feeling of like going down and then like my mom and I getting tossed from a window and like landing. Like it was so weird. Oh my god. And so apparently I walked I slept walked for the first time. I've never done that in my life to my mom's room and she said I just came in. I looked at her and then I left. <laughs> No. Well, your brother has slept. We've talked about this before. Your brother has sleptwalked before. So I'm like, yeah. oh my God, it is genetic. It's genetic. It's genetic and it's anxiety. Oh, so you, so you <laughs> just came in so like, like a yeah. ghost, like an apparition and stared into the bedroom and she goes, yes. Stu, you you just Stay? leave. And I'm like, mama, Stay? we made it. And then I just leave. <laughs> I just leave. It was so weird, but it was so. It was one of those. Oh wait, did she like follow up, up on it? She get up and physical. be like, "Where, where, where she, are you going?" I don't think she did. I did she think check she on you or no? Thought I like no, <laughs> no. That's the best part. She didn't check on me. <laughs> she was like, just the next morning in passing, like, "Oh, by the way, like you did come, like you did come into the room, like after I told her I had this like crazy nightmare." She was like, "Oh, that explains why you came to the room." I was like, "What?" So unbelievably casual. I know. It inspired me to think about what I think our next episode should be, which is um, sleepwalking homicide. I don't know if you've ever done any research on that or heard any stories, but no. there's a very, very famous case from Arizona of like, yeah. And it's the thing is, is like nobody can really tell where the truth like begins and ends with that. You know what I mean? Because anybody could say yeah. they sleptwalk and they did something they didn't remember. And it's possible it could be true, but there is no way to prove that. 
it would all be like circumstantial and, evidence of like what was their relationship to this person what was going on like yeah. you know like within that relationship the state of the marriage etc so we should cover that for sure Oh my God, I would love to cover that. That would be amazing. Well, the one thing about sleepwalking is you do know that like it is born out of anxiety. Like, so so there has to be something mm-hmm. going on. Like, even if it's just a bad dream, but like something is not right. I would imagine like something's troubling you. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Troubling the person. I've only done yeah. it once. I, I think I was in middle school or high school and I... Just after my like parents split up and I was at my dad's and my, I had a fever. I remember I like was really, really sick and I had a fever. And in the middle of the night, I guess I got up and went to his room and just crawled into bed. <laughs> Very like <Aww>. childlike. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and I think he woke me up. He was like, are you okay? <laughs> it's like, what's happening? You're like, no, bitch. <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm at like 104. I'm like, I think I should go to the hospital. <laughs> oh my god Stu, i'm so ready for this i need you to throw me i think i need to be thrown on my ass it's about time i was gonna say i hope you're wearing some sort of like cushion like (laughs) strapped to your butt right now because this is like i mean i was trying to equate today like like what like what level of storytelling this ranks up with like Mm-hmm. It's honest to God as if like you're an alien that's come to Earth and I'm trying to like explain like who Mariah Carey is. Like <laughs> I'm trying to give you like a backstory on somebody that's just like so incredibly famous. Like, oh my God. Anyways. I feel ve- oh. I feel very much on the outside looking in, I'll be totally honest, because I don't know yeah. anything and because you've built this up so much, because you've talked about it like it's you're like, how could you not know this? Like, it's John Bonet Ramsey. It's the Night Stalker. Yeah. Like, it's Ted yeah. Bundy. It's like that level. It of is fame. that level. So yeah. I'm so excited. Oh my god! Do you want to so do the intro excited. too? Do you want to lead us on the say, intro? Wait, do I do the intro? <laughs> Creepers, I'm freaking out. <laughs> do the intro. <laughs> uh, well, hold. Before I get started, I feel like that's part of our <laughs> intro. Is we have to acknowledge that we haven't done the intro. So <laughs> we, we've wait, not. It's true. Back up. <laughs> Creepers, welcome back to another episode of Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean Stew. Hi. Oh my god. I, was gonna you, say you I wish you could see me. Hi. We're not on camera right now, but I'm my cheeks are literally bursting. I'm smiling so big. Oh my god. My heart is pounding. Like I'm not like it's pounding honestly because I'm so nervous to do like like lead this, but also but because like I don't want to not do this case justice. And I know the creepers have been wanting this case. And also, like, this case is so freaking scary. Like, I'm telling you, when I was doing this research, I forgot Mm -hmm. just how terrifying this was. And, like, I was asking my mom because she was alive, like, when this case was going on. But she was, like, a little kid. Oh, yeah, that's true. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, like, because I was telling her I was doing this research. And she was like, oh, my God, that case, like. I just can't believe you guys are covering that. That it's just so like infamous. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I can't imagine being now. My mom said she only knew like a little bit of kind of what was going on. She knew something bad was happening. Like, and people were Mm -hmm. talking about this thing that was happening in San Francisco, but like as a little girl didn't quite grasp anything else other than that. It was very, very bad. But like, 
for these kinds of killings and the just insidious like communication that I'll get into that like came with each one, it was to me like it takes the word sinister to an entirely different level because we're talking about like the 60s the way you're setting this up i have chills already the way that you're describing this you're like you're sucking me into the scene right now okay i'm in the 60s you're about to get sucked into the scene okay so (laughs) i guess i'll just i'll launch into the top line are you ready i'm so ready (laughs) you're like not breathing okay Okay. The Zodiac Killer is the name of an unidentified serial killer in the San Francisco Bay Area throughout the late 1960s and early 70s. I would argue that the Zodiac Killer is America's most famous, if not one of the world's most famous, unsolved cases of all time. And what makes the Zodiac so incredibly legendary are these like taunting letters and ciphers that he would send to local publications and the San Francisco Police Department, um, basically provoking police to try and find out who he was and just, like, torturing them with details about each of the killings. Because, you know, like, a lot of times they'd get these, like, copycat killers. Yeah, copycat killers. yeah. Yeah. And, like, what was so terrifying for the local newspaper and the police is that, like, they would get these letters and be like, holy shit, like, this is actually him. Like, we, like, he knows stuff that only we know. Which, like, can you imagine back then? Like, that would be so terrifying. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) there's something about that, like, I mean, that seems so specific to, you said this was the 60s, right? Yeah, it was the late 60s, early 70s. So specific to the time period that somebody could get away with something like that. But yeah, to be, like, directly taunted by the person that you're pursuing as that police department must be so menacing. <laughs> I know. And like, that is kind of, we'll it's kind of similar it. to the night stalker now that I'm like thinking, yeah. it, but maybe this no, is like right. vastly different. Well, you know, you're kind of right. Like I feel like the night stalker might've even gotten like inspiration quite honestly from the Zodiac. Like, cause to my knowledge, Probably. I don't think anybody, I think that was 1980s. So that would make sense. Yeah. I don't think anybody, but the Zodiac in like, modern american history had really done anything like that we're like just directly communicating with police and like newspapers like that uh, like i honestly a lot of people say that the zodiac is like america's version of jack the ripper like just mm. taunting and like th- very much like a night night stalker night crawler like just kind of out gruesome? in the dark of the night yeah like as gruesome as jack the ripper I would say that the first couple of killings aren't as gruesome. And then there, the one killing in particular, like I literally have a shiver up my spine right now, um, that was thought to be his most gruesome was like Jack the Ripper level, in my opinion. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I don't have you know anything near is... me at my disposal. I have no wine. I have no coffee. I don't have a snack. Go get a wine if you need it. <laughs> I, like, I, might, I might take a pause in the middle of this and be like, sorry, let me go get a Savvy B. <laughs> so yeah, I, can I'll, I promise I'll give you like a Savvy B break. Like you just say the word. Okay. It's, okay. It sucks because I can't see you and we could have some sort of code. But um, yeah, so you knew that this was somebody with like deep psychological and like sadistically twisted issues. And his motivations for killing all of his victims was just like 
super unsettling because, and this is something that you'll start to see in a pattern with his letters, he claims that he was motivated out of this like need to, quote, collect slaves for the afterlife, quote. Oh. So. Oh. I've, I've never heard that. I had no idea yeah. this would take. Okay. Yeah. So it's got this weird, like, like not really religious connotation to it, but like a lot of people actually think that he was inspired by this short story that was published in the twenties called like a most dangerous game. And it's basically the story of this like well-to-do couple that like gets shipwrecked and they land on this like remote Island and they realize they're being hunted by this like rich, like aristocrat that also owns the Island. And they're just like trying to Mm -hmm. avoid getting Mm -hmm. killed by him. And like, that the reason why he does this is he collects like slaves for the afterlife to work for him. And so that's where people think the Zodiac like got that whole um, idea from. That's so interesting. Huh? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, I don't think I anticipated it would take any sort of direction that way, that that it would have any sort of like informal religious connotation. But I guess I, I must've assumed that it took place in his mind on like another plane of reality in a way but totally. i just because of the coded messages i immediately because that was all i had to go off of i'm like immediately thinking i'm like this is somebody who's probably very smart very calculated mastermind so it's interesting because i never really associate the dichotomy of like evil genius to somebody who's like like highly religious cult leader type or like is yeah. existing on another plane of reality that's very strange that those two worlds existed in his head Yeah. Well, it's really interesting you bring that up, like about him being a mastermind and thinking that he's really intelligent, because I think part of what has always stumped people about this case is that he actually really was a terrible cryptographer. Like he, his ciphers were notoriously really really bad, which is why it took people so long to figure them out, which we'll get into. But um, he actually like part of the reason why I think he ended up never getting caught was because he kind of was not super smart about some of the stuff he did actually. Really? Um, ironically. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. So he ends Wait, up sending... so did they ever find out who yeah. he was? They found out who no. the guy was. So like, I, I'm curious to hear later, like what his back, oh, they didn't, they didn't find out who he was. No, 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 no. They never did. This is unsolved. Oh, wait. Oh my God. Why did I, in my mind, I thought that they had, like, finally, like, in, like, the 2010s or, like, 2020s had cracked this case no. of, like, who he was. No. They oh. ended up cracking some of his ciphers later on, but they never, ever, ever have found mm-hmm. the Zodiac Killer. Oh, my God. So creepy. I know. <laughs> so, here's what happens. He ends up sending dozens of letters and... Um, He sends four ciphers, only two of which have ever been cracked to this day. Um, And actually, the second cipher was cracked only three years ago in 2020, which was crazy. Um, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like a recent news story, so I thought I was conflating the two. I think I'm conflating the Golden State Killer, which I also don't know much (gasps) about, which is insane. Oh, that might be right. Yeah, I would imagine that's also San Francisco, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Golden State makes sense. Um, 
Okay, so the legend of the Zodiac has gone on to produce dozens of podcasts and hundreds of websites. Like when I was doing this research, I was like, oh my God, there are so many websites dedicated to just like keeping track of this timeline. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, there was a feature film with like Jake Gyllenhaal where he works for the San Francisco Chronicle mm. called Zodiac. I don't know if you ever saw Well, you didn't see that, I'm guessing. Never saw. I've heard of it. I actually, it's shocking because I knew of that movie and I'd never seen it. And I wasn't even sure if it was connected to this story. I was like, what is, I'm like, what does Zodiac actually mean? What's the definition of Zodiac? So I thought it was a movie about a, a narrative that was completely separate from this. Yeah. The movie is so good. Like, I really highly recommend watching it. Um, is it really? Yeah, it's really good. But I mean, it's, I saw it, I think it came out in like 2007 or something. And they, did not hold back when it came to like the murder scenes and particularly the third murder that mm-hmm. I'll get into soon. That's like really gruesome. I remember seeing it in theaters and like normally with something like that, they don't have it like just a straight on shot of what is going on. And it was, and I was mm-hmm. so shook. I was like, Oh my God. Cause when you remember like, in that moment like this actually took place and like that movie got really great reviews because it was like really accurate to what happened um when you remember that and it sinks in while you're watching it you're just like holy shit like i cannot believe that these people went through this with this person so how old were you when you first saw it do you remember i guess i think i think it was 2007 or 2009 so i must have been like i was math um <laughs> i guess i was like 17 I was like, well, that's like middle 16? school that's like middle school 15 in 2007 <laughs> 2007 or 2009 or it's one of those two years so i was either in like oh, high school okay. or i was in like tail end of middle school which i think i was in middle school because i remember being young and being like oh my god i should not be watching this gotcha <laughs> was that one of your first <laughs> r-rated movies that because you said you saw it in the theaters right yeah, I and I might have even like snuck in to see it if I remember correctly. Um, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous baby. But I love Jake Gyllenhaal, so I do too. <laughs> that was probably my I motivation. Every once in a blue moon, I get compared to him on TikTok, and I can't tell <gasps> you how that fuels me because it's in contrast to all the other horrible things I get on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you kind of do. You you have like definitely like darker complexion. I think like darker features. But mm. you have you have similar faces. Interesting. He was um yeah, I'm obsessed with him. I, I love him. I think my first movie I ever saw him in was Bubble Boy. Remember <laughs> Bubble Boy? Wait, what is bu- no. Bubble Boy, it's it's like a comedy, but it's based off of like the real story of the Bubble Boy, the kid who like basically lived in like a little chamber um because he was immunocompromised. And in this version of the movie, it's like a comedic take on it. Um, but he plays Bubble Boy and he makes like a bubble suit and goes on an adventure to finally like escape his house and his overbearing mother. But it turns out he never needed the suit. Munchausen's. Munchausen's. It's like sharp objects before it was a thing. Yeah, which we should also do an episode on Munchausen's. I actually have some preliminary research because I was considering an episode on that. Oh my God. Not to All get in us, due like, time. too far off off topic, but remember on Housewives when like they had a whole like Munchausen scandal. Oh, when they had the Munchausen's intervention. 
Yeah, when Lisa Rinna like accused Yolanda of having Munchausen's and she has like a diagnosed Lyme disease and her hair's falling out, like that was such a reach. <laughs> it's incredible television. Do you think that because I know the whole setup for that was that everybody, of course, blamed Rinna because Rinna was the one who, and I, I promise I will get us back on topic, but Rinna was the one who was perpetuating the conversation. However, she eventually blamed Lisa Vanderpump, saying that Vanderpump was the one who set that up called her and was like you need to ask Yolanda about her munchausen <laughs> to bring it up darling well she of always Rinna, that was like season one or two for her there she's like are you sick are you sick <laughs> Yolanda we just want to know if you're a lying sick bitch <laughs> and Yolanda's like yeah my literal hair is falling out and like my brain isn't functioning but thanks like she's literally dying at the reunion she's like andy i need to go like i can't sit here anymore and rin is like i still don't buy it <laughs> oh my god Rena doesn't buy okay anything. i'll get us back but on track. She's <laughs> that's what rena does that's what rena does yeah, yeah I'll, I'll let you <laughs> No, I was, I'm like thinking to myself, the Zodiac Killer, if they're dead, which I would assume they probably are, is just like rolling over in their grave that I've somehow gotten, I, I've linked the most famous somehow unsolved you have pivoted cr- us crime from, yeah, to Real House Crimes. murders. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So, like I was saying, it's gone on to produce feature films, podcasts, websites, and it even boasts its own like genre or group of amateur detectives which are people that call themselves zodiologists. So like mm. zodiologists basically commit their lives to trying to crack the unsolved ciphers and study his letters over and over again for all these like possible clues as to his identity. Um, because the suspects that have been identified thus far, the main two have largely been ruled out and like all the other oh, suspects really? Yeah, all the other suspects are like, you're going off of nothing, like very circumstantial evidence. So it's a case that remains open to this day. And it's a case that lives in absolute infamy. This is the Zodiac speaking. Ah! <laughs> what a fabulous a top line. Sense. Are you joking? That's so good. <laughs> oh, okay. So do, do I just throw us in or thoughts? Well, I think it's it's probably more so embarrassing, actually, that I don't know more about it because just from the way you've described it, because it sounds like it kind of marked an era, especially in the true crime world. And maybe this was, especially from like the anecdotal, you know, words from your mom, that this was impactful across the country, and it was just never a story that got passed down to me. Like I had just never heard anything about it, but. I'm very curious. I'm very, very curious to hear like where this timeline begins and what actually happens. So I'm going to let you dive right in. I want to know everything. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of questions too. Well, you're so right. Yeah, I'm so excited. You're so right though that like I actually am not – I am surprised you haven't heard of it just because of your like presence in the true crime world. But I do think that it's one of those true crime cases that like – like I know you obviously know that about Jean Benet and all that stuff. But like my parents, I feel like we're very cautious about me learning about that. And even though it's extraordinarily famous, I feel like they kind of kept it under wraps on purpose because it's just so terrifying. And I kind of think that the Zodiac was that way for people in the sixties and seventies. So 
our first confirmed killing. The first killing took place uh, on December 20th, 1968. It takes us to Lake Herman Road, which is in Benicia, California, where two teenagers were parked in a 1961 Rambler at the end of this road. Um, and this road is kind of considered like your local lover's lane. Like it was sort of like the mm. dark street that like after a date you'd like go and you'd park your car and you'd like canoodle a little bit. Um, canoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the Nancy Grace glossary, fashion. please. <laughs> Two teenagers canoodling. <laughs> oh my God. I had to God. do it. I'm sorry. Please go canoodling. on. I'm sorry. No, no, you have to. You have to. You, it's also helping me because I'm so nervous to go into all this research. And it, as long as you interject <laughs> with some Nancy, I feel better. Um, okay, good. Okay. So after they're, they're, they're down there doing some light night canoodling and... Unfortunately, this was a first date for these two teenagers, and it would also be their last. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, I know. It's it's really sad. Um, so all of a sudden, uh, you can imagine these two teenagers, they're having a great time, um, and a man approaches them truly out of nowhere, uh, walks up to the teenager's car, and starts to open fire. Uh, the teenage girl, uh, quickly tries to get herself out of the passenger door and tries to take off running. Same thing with the young man. He tries to fling himself out the driver's side door. Um, but the killer is way too quick and he starts just open fire and shoots both of them multiple times. Oh my um, God. I know the young woman is shot five times in the back while she's trying to run out of the car. Um, and the young man, we're not sure how many times he was shot, um, but they both dropped to the ground and the killer flees the scene at approximately, that was probably like 10 ish at night, 10 30 ish at night. Um, mm-hmm. and at approximately 11, 19 PM, a young woman who's driving by finds the two dying teenagers. They're not dead yet. Um, and she rushes really? and grabs five yeah, shots in the back. She wasn't dead. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're like hanging on by a thread though. And oh so God. the woman goes, she grabs a nearby policeman, um, tells him what she saw and that he needs to get there get help immediately, immediately call medics. So the cops, medics rush to the scene. They find that the young woman is now dead. So she was hanging on by a thread, ends up dying before cops and medics get there. And they find the young man in critical condition. They Mm -hmm. rush him to the nearby hospital. And sadly, he is pronounced dead within the hour. Their names were Betty Lou Jensen, who was a 16-year-old, and David Faraday, a 17-year-old. And they were both students at Hogan High School. And they were on their first date where they had just gone to a Christmas concert together Then they stopped by a friend of theirs house. Then they went to a local restaurant. And this was sort of like their last bit of the evening where I'm sure they were going to like share a kiss or two. Um, And can I just say, I did not at all imagine this being connected to like gunfire. I I mean, I just don't usually think of like a serial killer operating with a gun, but maybe that's my own issue of like, I've only looked at certain cases where people 
it's much more gruesome. Like it's very knife oriented. You know what I mean? Knife axe. Totally. Like those totally. are serial killer weapons, not a gun. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the interesting part I think about, because I think his killings get more gruesome. This one to me mm. feels particularly like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get out of there. Like it, it felt like it was a First definitely time, a, like green. Yeah. Almost like a, like they're a green killer and they're just like, Ooh. I have this desire, but I'm not quite sure how to execute. So I'm just going to like just open fire. And and also the idea of them like trying to get out of the car in time. And he's still just like, honest to God, like video game style, just like trying to like get them as they're trying to run off. And did nobody hear this at the time? I mean, I know no. they were, the teenagers were found, but nobody heard the gunshots. It's a lot of gunshots. Yeah. To my knowledge, no. Cause I think that this, um, road was just like super off the beaten path and I'm not quite sure I could go back and look. I'm not quite sure if this was like kind of out over like a like park kind of area or if it was just like truly like a random like dark road, like at the end of a longer road. Um, oh, yeah. But probably more secluded, to be honest. Now that you're like yeah. re- reframing like the lover's lane thing, I'm like, yeah, there probably weren't a lot of houses all too close to this area. But yeah. Eerie. Very it's eerie. So awful. So when the police arrive, um, they're unable to track any tire or shoe impressions. And that's due to the freezing temperatures, which maybe you have a little bit more insight on why that is. I guess because it was kind of like black ice. Like it was like maybe not, uh, I guess you can't get tire or shoe prints really if there's like a layer of ice over the road. Um, do you know anything know, about that? Oh, actually, yeah. I don't know very much about that. I know there are some, there are some forensic methods where you can still obtain like shoe prints and things like that from the snow but i don't know about anything that's like on the actual road if it's not snow that's on the road or if it's just ice or it's like slush even yeah maybe it's just a little too like malleable that it doesn't really leave a long-lasting imprint but also 1960s forensics were not the same as what we have today right totally and that's like why this case i think truly there's there's so many moments where nowadays you know he would have gotten caught um Mm -hmm. but even so the craziest thing was like and we'll get into this but he did end up leaving like a ton of fingerprints behind but even back then like they weren't able to take the fingerprints and like match half of them to like anything like that like they were they basically yeah yeah, they like kind of like screwed up like getting the fingerprints like on multiple occasions Yeah, those are surprisingly like because it's basically like an oil imprint that you're like dusting. So it's very easy if you don't know what you're doing to like mess the whole thing up. But I guess, yeah, fingerprints are kind of worthless unless you have an actual suspect, because today we have a database so you can compare it like in a computer and just match it across like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. But back then, yeah, you were kind of you're kind of just stuck with what you had. Totally. And so really, this killer only leaves behind. 10 bullet casings there's no trace of him leaving behind you know footprints fingerprints and there's no witnesses um so that was his first killing and uh people kind of call that like that that first of all that's his first confirmed killing so i don't know if that's a, a key to you but later on people went back and they looked at other killings that took place before 1968 december of 1968 
and just mm-hmm. based on his style and pattern of killing and like the profiles, um, Zodiologists have gone back and looked at other San Francisco killings and they largely believe that Zodiac is behind some of them, um, which is really, really freaky. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then we get to our second killing, which happens on July 4th, 1969. We're now seven months later and another same profile young couple by the names of Darlene Farron, who is 22 years old and Mike McGough, who is 19 years old. I think that's how you say it. Mike, Mag- it's, it's spelled M A G E A U. So maybe Mago or Mag. I don't think it's like Magoo. I think it's Mago. Um, I thought of Magoo too. I was like, <laughs> <Magoo. laughs> maybe it's French. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's French. Um, <laughs> these two were parked in Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, California. Um, and they had been parked there watching a July 4th fireworks display. How Shortly, far is Vallejo? I've never heard of that. Vallejo? Is that Vallejo. super far outside of the Bay Area? I don't think so. I think... Or is that right within? It's I right think it's like right within city. because Vallejo is where like the majority of his movement was throughout all of his killings. So let me just see Vallejo mm, to okay. San Francisco. Um, After I said it, I was like, well, maybe it's like a borough within that area or something. I'm just not aware of. I've actually never been up to the Bay area. So I'm, I'm very like, I have a loose map in my mind. Yeah. I've never been either, which I, it looks like it's about like 30, it says 30 miles away. So interesting. Okay. Not super close actually. Um, but there's definitely a lot that goes on in Vallejo throughout this case. So I would kind of say that Vallejo is more his like home base, not really like San Fran, but, um, mm. I think people just largely equate him with San Francisco because he, um, corresponded with the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, yeah chronicle and the san francisco examiner like that was the majority of his correspondence um oh so so he's sending he ends up sending letters not only to police he's also sending letters to like newspapers oh he majority sends letters to newspapers he only contacts i thought he was like like, seldomly oh interesting okay i thought he was like directly like leaving breadcrumbs and like sending letters to the police i didn't know it was like going through the proxy of like the press Interesting. Yeah. So he uses the press the majority of the time because, and we'll get into it when I read you some of his letters, but he has such disdain for San Francisco Police Department. Like he thinks they're a bunch of buffoons. Um, And so I think there's a little bit of this like superiority complex where he's not going to go to the police. He really doesn't care about that. He'd rather communicate with the press because it's more of like a glorified outlet and, um, feeds his ego and I feel like Mm. I honestly feel like he thinks that the journalists at the Chronicle and the Examiner are like way more intelligent than the police department I mean I think a lot of that is based on the fact that he never gets caught um yeah does he mention the word county at any point (laughs) (laughs) he's like these county police buffoons that's actually um the unsolved cipher is uh something about county police that's (laughs) (laughs) that's true so now we've got three out of four (laughs) that's an amazing idea for merch we take one of the zodiacs ciphers and we just put county police like in in because i'm sure you'll look at it like after this case like the way you can crack the ciphers you write the letter next to the symbol and so we did Mm -hmm. county police so it'd be incredible 
<laughs> canceled? We certainly, <laughs> certainly are. Yeah. To the ground. It's oh a wrap. It's a wrap. Time the podcast. <laughs> it's a wrap. Oh my god. So bad. Okay. So, anyways, tethering us back, like you always say, tethering us back to. I know. I have my go to, my buzzwords. You do, you do. Cinching us back, tethering us back. Cinching, (laughs) tethering. Dragging your ass back to July 4th, 1969. So, shortly after midnight, um, a car. Now, this is where it gets really freaking creepy. And I think that our killer has started to gain a little bit of confidence. Mm -hmm. So, shortly after midnight, a car pulls up alongside of Darlene and Mike and it just turns off its lights and just like sits there for a good bit of time. And it's parked about eight feet away from them. And they're just like, what? Like like they're, oh. we're in this totally remote area. Like who is this person? They can't see him. And then all of a sudden car turns back on. And drives away. And they're like, God, thank God we're in the clear. Ten minutes later, that same car comes back and parks directly behind them. Flashlights, headlights beaming. Oh, God. Can you imagine? I, I'm imagining right now. I feel like I'm having an experience. Yeah. I mean, it's your worst Did nightmare. Did they depict this it's in like, the movie? This this exact scenario? I Ooh, I think... I can't imagine they didn't. I'm having trouble recalling if they really do that exact portrayal in the movie. We've got I'm, to rewatch this movie together. We do. We've got to... We really do. Because I, I remember being so like, first of all, it's an amazing movie. Like it's directed by um, the same guy that did like the social network and uh girl with a dragon oh, really? tattoo. Yeah. So it's got that like. It's got that whole like dark kind of vibe to it. I mean, obviously the content is dark, but it's got that like. He really knows how to like slowly build suspense. Um, mm, but yeah, like I'm brooding pretty, thriller. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, the one that sticks out to me the most is the next killing that we'll get into from the movie. Like, I just remember it being so, so much like exactly what I describe in the research. Um, but I'm pretty sure in the movie, I'm sure they, they cover this um, the same way. Pretty spot so the on. Scenario, so it leaves off. This car parks directly behind them. I can't believe they stayed in the same spot after that weird interaction. But I know. Again, and like, can, can you imagine seeing the same exact car? Like, like my stomach would just drop immediately. So they're like, "What's going on?" And all of a sudden, the driver of that car gets out and switches on a flashlight. And they're like, "Okay, this must be a cop." So they start rushing oh, no. to get their IDs out. Then all of a sudden. Boom, boom, boom. Just gunshot after gunshot after gunshot becomes clear very quickly that this person is not a cop. And um, it's actually thought that Mike had started to roll down his window because he thought this was going to be a cop coming up. So unfortunately, the window's already down. So he is just like pumping bullets into the driver's side. Just like open target. Yeah. And so Mike tries to dive into the back seat to avoid the gunshots uh, this driver keeps firing. He's just pumping more bullets into Mike and Darlene. Um, the driver actually ends up walking away to start to go back to his car, thinking that the two what? of them are probably, yeah, thinking that they're probably wounded so severely that they're going to die soon. But Mike kept on screaming. 
And so the killer comes back. He shoots Mike again, twice more, and then just for good measure, ends up shooting Darlene uh, twice more as well. So did they did they both die? So a car of teenagers comes and finds them shortly thereafter and end up calling for help. Darlene and Mike are still alive. Oh my God. I was going to say, I was like, so crazy. one of them had to have survived. If like, we're getting this, this rehash of the story where Mike was screaming and the guy like left and came back. Like, yeah, you could only get that if there was a survivor. So I'm like, Oh my God. Exactly. So keep in mind, that's all going on. And then about 30 minutes later, the police get a very strange phone call. The call was this quote, I want to report a double murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, the public park, you will find the kids in a brown car. They were shot with a nine millimeter Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. Phone hangs up. Is there a recording of this? No, because it was traced to a payphone in downtown Vallejo, just three miles where the attack took place. And it's about 30 minutes after he left the scene. Stu, so, it's happening. It's happening. I know. I'm, I'm, Are you I'm tearing? tearing up. <laughs> yeah. The oh, taunting no. has started. The t- I'm about oh, to throw God. you on your ass. That is so minimal compared to what the rest of his taunting is. But what the, um, and I believe it was a woman that was the one who answered this, the dispatcher that picked up this phone mm-hmm. call. She remarks that his goodbye was just like what I said, like, goodbye. Like, so oh, I hate that so much. I'm, I have chills down my arms right now. I wish you could see me. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, right. So when help finally arrives, Darlene is pronounced dead. Mike actually ends up surviving the shooting, but of course, remained traumatized physically and mentally for the rest of his life. Um, at the time, he gave a description that his attacker was a heavyset male, five foot eight, short, curly, light brown hair. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is the San Francisco Examiner and the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, they don't really cover the story very heavily. It's kind of buried in the back of the paper. Um, oh, I bet which, that pissed him off so bad. I was going to say, which unbeknownst to them, really pissed off our killer. Um, this would end up being the catalyst for the first of over a dozen letters received by the San Francisco Chronicle, the Vallejo Times Herald, and the San Francisco Examiner. <laughs> I am so excited to read these letters to you because I know you're going to, like, I hope you have tissues nearby because you're going to cry. <laughs> I have short, like I'm, I have shortness of breath right now. Like I'm yeah. experiencing a full, like physical reaction to this. When um, I, <laughs> I need to, I need to know what they say. I also need to know how these letters were sent. Did they not have ways to like trace back like where letters came from or were they just like straight up coming through the mail? They were straight up coming through like the mail room with like thousands of other letters and they were, there was no return address. Um, and they all said, pretty much all of them said the same thing, which said, uh, please rush to editor in this like creepy handwriting and like blue ink. Me sending out a, a press <laughs> packet. <laughs> I was going to say me sending out headshots in uh, 2017. <laughs> please rush to editor. Please Immediate rush to priority. 
I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear these. Oh my God. Okay. Are you ready for the first letter? Yes. Okay. So the first letter was received on July 31st, 1969. So a couple weeks after that July 4th killing. It was three copies of a nearly identical letter that was sent to all three publications. So San Francisco Chronicle, Vallejo Times Herald, and the San Francisco Examiner. The letter said, like I told you, please rush to editor on the envelope with no return address. The letter read, Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove that I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. 1. Brand name of the ammo, Super X. 2. 10 shots were fired. 3. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. 4. The girl was on her right side, feet to the west. That's for the first killing. The Christmas, uh, like December 20th killing. 4th of July killing. 1. Girl was wearing patterned slacks. Two, the boy was also shot in his knee. Three, brand name of ammo oh. was Western. Then it says over. So, you know, you're about to turn it over. Here is a part of the cipher. The other two parts of the cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and the San Francisco Examiner. I want you to print the cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print the cipher by the afternoon of Fry F. R.Y. period, 1st of August 69, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. I have a tear streaming down my face. That's the beginning. Oh my God. So... The letter was signed with this strange symbol, a circle with two intersecting lines cutting through it. The symbol would become infamous. It would become the unmistakable symbol of the Zodiac Killer. Um, do you know what the Do you know what the symbol looks like? Now that you're saying it, I'm like, I think when the movie came out, if I'm thinking of like what the cover of it looks like, I'm pretty yeah. sure the cover of the Zodiac has the symbol on it. Yes, it's it's pretty oh like God. unmistakable, like and. People use it and like, I feel like I see a lot of podcasts actually, like true crime podcasts that'll use it like in their logos and stuff. I mean, it's just that recognizable. Um, yeah. Instantaneous. Could you imagine being an editor and seeing a letter like that? No, not at all. The way I would lose sleep, the way I would I'd be fearful for my family because exactly. in a way you're kind of like in the mix of his like storyline. That's the craziest part. Totally. And if and you the don't thing adhere was... to what he's asking, it's like you yep. could be next. And and what happens when you feed a monster is they just get hungrier and hungrier. And unfortunately, they were faced with this, like, terrible situation where it's either, like, we indulge this person and we feed their ego, but maybe we get a step closer to figuring out who they are, or we risk not giving them this ammo and this glory and they get really pissed off and they start and then there's blood on your killing hands. and killing and killing yeah you, because exactly they warned you oh my god yeah oh my god <laughs> so what's really interesting this is kind of a little like reprieve moment um i was wondering when i was doing research i was like what is that symbol though like does it have something to do with like is it a military thing like is it a religious thing i have to look thing? it up right now i have to see it yeah look it up 
So what many zodiologists think is that this is actually a symbol um, that's a replica of a Swiss watchmaking company that was also called Zodiac. And if you look at their watches that they were manufacturing in the 70s, it was the same exact symbol on the face. Really? Yeah. And so they think that the Zodiac killer was probably sporting one of these, maybe sporting one of these Zodiac um, watches. And that's where he got his inspiration from. I'm looking at it right now. This, oh, this is so interesting. I know. Wow. How have I never heard this? Silas, we're at the surface. This is, we're not even, we're not even in it yet. Like we're very much just at the beginning of all the correspondence, which to me, the killings are of course the worst part of this. And so, awful and grotesque but it's really the correspondence that i think has made this case so insane um and so like infamous i need to hear more i i'm i'm like in it now i'm very deeply (laughs) in it (laughs) so what's really interesting was that each of the letters like i said received by all three publications they each had a different part of the cipher so the san francisco chronicle was the first to publish an article uh with the cryptogram and cipher um, along with a message from the Vallejo police chief that stated uh, a request for the writer of these letters to send in a second letter with more facts to really prove his identity. Isn't that Mm -hmm. crazy to think about? Like the police chief is like asking for it. Um, So that was like the, the method they chose. That was a path they chose to take. Like, what do you think about that? Well, it's kind of like unprecedented, I guess. I mean, yeah, it, I, I cannot imagine they would have ever seen a person like this in their lives, but I do think that they were scared enough or they felt there was enough credibility to these initial statements that they yeah. were like, maybe they were trying to, I mean, there could have been a lot of reasons for that, but I'm curious to see what you saw in the research, but maybe they're trying to like sort of bait it in a way because yeah. the more evidence and letters and or anything that gets submitted, the more information the closer it kind of brings you to some sort of slip up, some sort of crevice where you can go in and find out who he is. Yeah. That's so, that's so on the nose. Like you can get saliva, you can get like, if they're looking in the envelope. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, do these envelopes like still exist? Like, are they in evidence somewhere? They must be able to like get DNA. Yes. Yeah. These are still, okay. I'm not, I don't want you to do it just yet because then I think you'll go on a whole spiral, but There are every single one of these has been saved and you can literally go online and look at all of them. Like you can see his handwriting, you can see his drawings. You could like, it is so freaking freaky. (laughs) It's like, that was part of like why I was tearing up doing the research because to just read the actual letters, like reading the text, like on, you know, websites or whatever by itself is one thing. But when you go and you Mm -hmm. look at the actual like handwriting and the way he wrote, he wrote like really slanted, like, like he almost looked like if I had to guess, I have no, I have no nothing, but, um, and I didn't see this in the research, almost like he was left-handed. Like he wrote like super slanted to the right. Um, Oh, is that, is that like a common way that you can tell if someone's like a lefty or a righty based on the direction of their text slants? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I don't know why I'm, I'm recalling that. Um, maybe just from my own writing. Like I know that when I've been kind of like taking a test or whatever in high school, like my, sometimes my handwriting would start to like slant a certain way. Um, sorry, are you a lefty? No, 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 I'm a righty. Oh, I was thinking, (laughs) 
<laughs> but I was thinking the way my handwriting would like slant upwards kind of towards the right. Like if you're a lefty, mm-hmm. yours might slant, I guess, the other way. Um, I do see. I so see. I, I did see a little bit of the text because I looked up the symbol. So yeah. obviously a lot of these are connected to the writing. So I see what you're talking about. It is like yeah. slightly. It's like almost an italics, but like very yeah. sloppy. Yes, it's very italics. much like italics. And what's yeah. also interesting is that he misspells words constantly. And people didn't know if that was because kind of what I hinted at earlier, that maybe he wasn't like the sharpest tool in the shed or was Mm -hmm. he purposefully doing that to like mislead? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe he's throwing off the scent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I think what most people would side with. Um, Oh God, that's chilling. (laughs) So San Francisco Chronicle, uh, they end up publishing it. Like I said, and then eventually all three parts of the cipher would be published. Like clockwork, a second letter was received on August 4th or August 7th, 1969. The research is kind of varied on this, what the actual date was that the letter was received. Um, mm-hmm. But the examiner receives a second letter. And this would be the first letter where the killer uh, identifies himself by what would become one of the most legendary names in all of true crime history. So That letter reads, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I have had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and a racing engine as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quite slowly so as not to draw attention to my car. The man who told police that my car was brown was about 40 to 45, rather shabbily dressed. I was in this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cop when he was walking by. When I hung up the phone, when I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring and that drew his attention to me and my car. Last Christmas. In that episode, the police were wondering how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see silhouettes on the horizon. Bull****. That area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did see was was tape, a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice, in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light, about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it was a water hose. There was no need to use gun sights. I was not happy to see that this did not get front page coverage. Signed, Zodiac, just with the symbol. This is... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Stu, do you? Th- I, I have a bizarre feeling just from his word choice and the way that yeah. he is phrasing all of, I mean, the way he's laying out his thought process here, I don't feel like he's very dim. Like, I don't feel like he's a stupid person. I don't either. Um, And I actually, I think a lot of people have thought this. It does kind of seem like he has some sort of, like, 
maybe military background or something that would indicate like he knows a lot about guns. He knows a lot about mm-hmm. how to shoot a gun. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's a certain like sense of confidence about him that doesn't feel like somebody, at least in this beginning stage, that doesn't feel mm-hmm. like somebody that's dull or simple. Like, I mean, this takes a ton of confidence to try to do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious if this like ever lets on to how long he had been planning this, like how premeditated this all was because it seems extremely orchestrated. Like this is a master plan unfolding. Yeah. I mean, you would think, but I think a lot of it he starts to make up as he goes, and we'll kind of get into that. I think the third killing is where it really starts to take a turn for him, but right now he's like definitely in his like whatever the opposite of your flop era is. <laughs> like he's definitely like he, everybody has reign. eyes on this. He's yeah. in his reign. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, that's another thing. There's like this element, there's like this God complex sort of at this moment, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he holds a lot of cards. There's a lot of power when you have the local press or the media on your side, or at least like bending to your will, but you're also getting law enforcement to do so in addition to yeah. whatever damn fiasco is going on with like the public, because I'm sure people were losing their minds. Was there a curfew? They must losing have shut down minds, like, the city. Losing their minds. And also keep in mind, all of San Francisco is trying to crack the cipher that came in that first batch of letters. So yeah, that's he's what, it's already like an causing experience. mayhem. Yes. It's like, it's like escape room, but like for the town, like the whole area of San Francisco, like everybody's trying to crack this code. Oh my God. <laughs> so this is where it gets actually, this, this has always blown my mind. I think is one of the like, the coolest parts of this case. So keep in mind that letter that just came in was either on August 4th or August 7th. We're not quite sure. Um, But on August 3rd, the day before, and they weren't aware of this yet. So, but this was going down while that was happening. A couple, uh, Donald Harden and his wife, Pamela Harden, uh, who he was a local school teacher and she was just a stay at home mom. Uh, they end up cracking the cipher. And apparently, as as the story goes, Donald had been working really, really hard to try and crack the cipher. And um, his wife was sort of like, please, like, stop, like, stop. Like, you're, you need to go to sleep. You have school tomorrow. You got to wake up early. Yeah. So he apparently goes to bed and she sits down at the kitchen table and takes a couple of stabs at it. And she's the one that ends up cracking the code. Oh, my God. Yeah. How do you even begin with that? How do you start doing that? I honestly don't know. And I I should have done a little bit more research about like cryptography, but I mean, like I told you earlier, he his his uh cryptograms were really bad. So like <laughs> some of the symbols that were supposed to match things, like he would have incorrectly mapped in his actual like cipher code. So huh. like people were having to like kind of do like figure out where the errors existed too, and then kind of like remap it to the correct symbol. So that's interesting. I will almost wonder yeah. if that was intentional as well, but maybe I'm just giving too much credit to him. People think it wasn't intentional. Um, and we'll mm. kind of get into that later. People think that he was a really like amateur cryptographer. Um, so his, yeah. his like credibility is going to slowly start to wane and you'll see that. But, um, at this point, I think people probably didn't realize that yet. Um, do you want to know what the the cryptogram read? I'm dying to. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. 
said, I like killing people because it is so much fun. Imagine being Pamela Harden. You're, you're reading this out loud to yourself. And if you've ever seen a cryptogram, it's literally like symbol, letter, symbol, letter. So you're having to just like basically circle your letters as you're going through and like spelling out to yourself what it is. Like not only yeah. are you having to like figure out the order of the letters, but then you're having to determine where it spaces in between each word. So she figures it says, I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all the lone or stray people I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then this is why people think he was a really amateur cryptographer. The rest of his message like was basically a bunch of like jumble and did not match Mm -hmm. the, what had been decoded. Like it didn't make any sense. Um, And I'm not quite sure if I'm explaining that right, but it wasn't just like, a bunch of letters to throw off the scent. It was just a bunch of letters that should have mapped correctly to previous um, indications of like his cryptogram. Were they ever able to like figure out what he was trying to say? No, they they did end up cracking what the letters were. They they ended up cracking what the letters were, but they read like, I I have it in front of me. It read like E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-E-M-E-T-H-H-P-I-T-I. Like it didn't make any sense. I think he thought it was going to make sense. Um, so, or maybe it does mean something. Who knows to this day, but they did end up figuring out what the letters were. Actually, that's a lot longer than I thought it would be, but that is a haunting message to hear. If you're like, like this woman sitting in your kitchen. I know. I know. And actually, as I'm looking at it, Ooh, I just got a chill. Cause I'm like, what if it could be like his name? And he had like purposefully or like intentionally like mi- like threw the scent off the trail yeah. by like making mistakes on purpose. I, yeah. I just like I'm suspicious always that everyone is a mastermind until proven otherwise. I know. Oh God. Wow. Okay. That just gave me a chill. Um, what is the last word of the <laughs> sequence? Like, where does the message specifically drop off? He says, uh, "I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife." Period. And then it's that jumble of letters. Period. I don't know. I mean, does that not seem odd to you that he would be so? It would be like clearly you could decode the previous part of that, so it would seem like he knows what he's doing. Like that, he made that accessible enough that people could figure it out. But that final sentence, after kind of teasing that you'll never find my name. Yeah. Is like way over crypt like cryptic. Like you can't crack that. Yeah. And what what I feel will intentional. Say though, I'm I'm it, freaked out it by does. it. It does feel intentional. Like now that I'm looking at it again, it does feel intentional. But what I will say too is that his cryptograms were uh, a bunch of words were misspelled. And some of that mm. is because I think he was trying to throw off the scent, but some people think it was also because he couldn't spell. It wasn't great spelling. Um, like the word uh, forest is misspelled. The word experience is misspelled. The word paradise is misspelled. Um, and in his letters too, like not just the ciphers, um, he, he also has poor spelling. Well, to be fair, some of these words are difficult. I mean. I know. I <laughs> I'm like, girl, I always misspell experience. So <laughs> I just saw that. Uh, I just saw that TikTok where somebody was like, if somebody put a gun to my head and said spell croissant, I'd be dead. 
I'd be dead. Not a chance. I'd be dead. <laughs> Not a damn chance. Um, you know what took me the longest time was definitely. For some reason, I would always I still, jumble where the I and the E were. We're the same person. <laughs> I still can't spell definitely. I, yeah, I don't think I... I think I still rely on like autocorrect for that. Oh, my God. But. Same. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I was like, what's that one word I can't ever spell? It's definitely. <laughs> it is for sure definitely. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Now only a month would pass until the Zodiac would follow through on his promise and he would strike again. This one I have to like really like brace myself for. Like I said, the third killing to me is where this like really takes a different turn. And like to me, it's like mm-hmm. not only is the fame getting to his head a little bit, but like he's he gets brazen and he gets like he gets cocky. Um, so... On September 27th, 1969, in Lake Berryessa, California, the Zodiac would commit what many say is his most heinous and sinister series of murders yet. A young couple, again, same profile, young couple, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, were out picnicking on a beautiful lake area when they would spot what looked like an odd looking man, just kind of like wandering around up the bank um, where there was this kind of like wooded area. So just kind of imagine you're like at a lake and you're kind of closer Mm. to the shoreline of the lake. And then the lake mountain kind of like shore kind of like slants upwards, like up towards these woods. And then past those woods is the road where like you've kind of parked your car. Um, So Celia, uh, I actually, Brian spots the guy first and he's like, do you see that guy? And she's like, yeah, it looks, he looks kind of odd, but I guess he's fine. He's just kind of like wandering around and then he disappears. So they don't think much of it. Then all of a sudden a man approaches them, pops out of these woods, this time in a black hood with a gun pointed right at the couple and like a, a like executioner's hood. Um, on his cloak, like the bottom of his hood, that was kind of like a cloaky style, it has the Zodiac symbol. Shut your mouth. This is 1969. This is horror movie. This is a horror movie. This is beyond, beyond. That's why I'm saying when you watch this scene in the Zodiac movie, they play it exactly like I just described it to you. And you're watching, you're like, oh, I'm watching a horror movie. No, you're watching a true you're watching a, a, a non-fiction. It's true crime. Yeah. It's true crime. Like, this is actually what happened. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Are you cheering? <laughs> That's like, baby, I haven't stopped. Baby, I know, I know. <laughs> well, and actually, I, I don't want to misspeak here, but I think he also, in other research I was reading, he had, like, these weird kind of, like, so he's got this, like, executioner's hood on, but he also had these, like, trans kind of like um what were those sunglasses called that are like translucent lenses almost like he had oh like transition lenses yeah like almost like a transition lens sort of glass over his hood um which was really weird yeah just something that's like blocking his face that is yeah i I can't even imagine like what that would have been if they totally like that in the 60s range but just so weird like he looks like and there's a ton of like replicas of like what this outfit would have looked like based on you know what's been told about it or recounted yeah i'm gonna need to see an illustration yeah at some point terrifying like you if can you imagine you're like sitting there creepy person walks out and then they go away same kind of deal as like before like 
car pulls up, then you're like, you think you're in the clear, but this is in daylight. Like this is like three or 4 PM in the afternoon. Like this, this is not expected. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it's reported that this hooded figure walks straight up to them and says, now take it easy. All I want is your money. There's nothing to worry about. Brian immediately says that they'll cooperate, but he tells him he's only got 75 cents on him. Uh, Brian goes on and tells him, listen, I'm going to help you out. Can I write you a personal check? I only have this change on me. The Zodiac then told him reportedly this like strange story that he was on his way to Mexico and that he had killed a guard while getting out of a prison in Montana and needed money to get back to Mexico. So it's like very just odd story straight out, like just to throw that out there. Um, And he goes on to tell Brian, I also need your car keys. And he says something to the effect of his own car being too hot. Um, And I don't know if that like my car's too hot, like temperature wise or like my car's too hot, like they're on my trail. Um, Maybe like the engine's overheating. Oh yeah. Or maybe that. Yeah. Like it's literally overheating. Um, And so uh, he says that, gives him the keys. And then he says, uh, I want the girl to tie you up. I would feel much better if you were tied up. The Zodiac Killer then proceeds to pull out these um, nylon, like, clothesline ties out of his pocket and hands them to Celia, uh, orders her to tie Brian up, like, basically hog tie him on his stomach. Um, And he goes and he checks the tying, and he finds that, of course, she's not tied him tight enough so he i was gonna tightens. say i'm in her position in my mind yeah. right now and i'm like okay I'm loosely yeah. tying it so he can get free yes exactly so he <sighs> tightens it even more and then the figure aggressively uh puts celia on the ground and hog ties her the exact same way so picture that they're on their picnic blanket both of them face down on their stomachs um <sighs> right next to each other and uh brian reported that the Zodiac Killer seemed really shaky and nervous at this point. Um, so I think that that confidence is starting to wane. Um, what what well, do you think? Like, this is the most elaborate of the stories so far as to like how, yeah. I mean, there was no like tying. There was no like story. There was no costume in anything before no. this. So I can see like why the theatrics of this might make him jittery. Yeah. And like it's daytime. Like there's chance he's going to be seen yeah that too Um, which i didn't even think about that wow yeah um and i don't think this was like a super busy lake like it's not like summertime like it's in the late september but there's definitely people that like live around there and like take their boats out so like he's got to get this done whatever he's about to say i'm like someone's gonna paddleboard right by in two minutes totally totally (laughs) totally on exactly so they're tied up laying on their stomachs and brian turns to the killer and says is that gun really loaded the Zodiac then undoes the clip on the gun, shows him, proves it is fully loaded. And so at this moment, you know, Brian, it's sunk in. He's like, okay, we actually might be getting killed. Um, this isn't just like a freak like episode. And so in an effort to start to come up with some plan, Brian turns mm-hmm. and starts talking to Celia, Cecilia when all of a sudden stab after stab after <gasps> stab of sharp metal is going into his back. No. Just knife, knife, knife. And, of course, Cecilia, not expecting this, uh, is just watching 
her boyfriend getting stabbed seemingly to death. Oh my God. So he's screeching in pain and all she can do is watch. And then the killer takes his knife out and Brian's like barely lucid after he thinks he's stabbed him enough times, takes the knife out. Imagine you're Cecilia. You see the guy stand up. He walks over, straddles you, and then just starts pounding a knife into your back. He goes on to stab Cecilia at least 10 times before eventually fleeing the scene. When I tell you that's exactly what they portray in the movie, and it is one of those things where you're so scared you start crying. Mm -hmm. Can you, like, it's, it's, (laughs) you're like, you don't say. (laughs) Like, really? Yeah. yeah. However did you guess? (laughs) I mean, this is by far, like, the most gruesome and just, just seem, like, just why? What, you have a gun, why did you choose to do this? I had a feeling that's where this was going. I mean, just from like the performative aspect, like the the theatrics of this, like there was a reason he was tying them up like that because there's no, there's no truth to the story that he's telling about this. I'm an escaped inmate and I'm going to Mexico. Like all that's just bull. So I'm like, he's about to test test something other than what he's done before. Yeah. He's like testing himself. He's like, are we really going to do this? And boy, does he do it. So Brian and Cecilia, they're, uh, still alive uh at this point as the killer runs up the bank and flees the scene um barely barely and uh they're trying their hardest to get loose and they actually end up seeing a boat coming out onto the lake they're screaming but the passengers on the boat can't really hear them so they don't do anything um which is also just so sad like you're you can see this boat in the distance and you're just screaming as hard as you can but You've lost so much blood. Like their screams, what probably felt like loud screams to them were whispers to whoever was out on that water. Um, and sometimes from a distance, like when you're on the water looking at the shore or vice versa, you really can't tell what you're even looking at. Like Exactly. It, it, all, you know, it, they could have just looked like two people like picnicking yeah. laying on a blanket. Exactly. Um, so what ends up happening, Brian uh, and Cecilia managed to get their hands actually unraveled, but they are again... <sighs> hang on by a thread especially cecilia like she is very close to death so brian and this blows my mind he ends up willing himself to get up and start going towards the road um this was reportedly just like a it's about a half a mile and it took him forever to make the trek of course and he ends up passing out twice while he's trying to get there um oh my god I know. Does that not remind you of um, Tika Adams? Tika Adams. Oh yeah, I God! Was, I was like, the, how miraculous! Like the human will and body is. Like right? the people. I mean, adrenaline can make you do insane things when you're like very, very close to death. Yeah, it's insane. I, I still, I, I cannot believe he had lost that much blood and and somehow was going uphill. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So he ends up eventually making it to the road. Flags down a park ranger. And, um, they get down there. Cecilia is still conscious, but she's bled out so much that she's in critical condition. So, Mm -hmm. um, police are going to take them to, uh, the hospital and then another set of police, uh, go to Brian's car where they find written on the door of his white Volkswagen in like a felt, uh, marker, a huge Zodiac symbol and the following note, Vallejo. 
12-20-68, September 27th, 69, 6.30, by knife. So he's just listed 12, 20, his... 68. Are those... What is, what's that? Are those coordinates or something? Those are his two previous killings. Oh. Oh. Creepy as hell. I'm... <laughs> This is the, sorry. I'm like processing because all of this is like laying out in my mind as a movie yeah. in real time. Yeah, it's very That's much like a movie. Haunting. Yeah, is that not so freaking scary? Like, and just to be the cop and like start to approach the car and be like, "Oh my god!" Like, and if you you can see, there's photos of what this looked like. It was huge. Like the symbol was enormous on the car on the door. Like, just so freaking eerie. Um, Did both of these people survive? No. So, uh, oh <laughs> at 7.40 p.m., the Zodiac killer calls the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a payphone to report the latest crime. The caller first stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder, no, a double murder, before saying that he had committed the crime. I am the one who did it. Um, they end up tracing again. They trace a call to a nearby payphone near a Napa car wash on a main street in Napa. It was a few blocks from the Napa Sheriff's office and 27 miles actually from the crime scene. Um, when they found the payphone, it was still off of its hook and detectives mm. lifted a like wet palm print from the telephone, but they were never able to match the print to uh, any suspects in their database. So it was also clear. I know, I know. And so it was also clear that, uh, based on where this payphone was located, the killer was making his way back down to Vallejo. So he had driven up to Napa County Mm -hmm. and he was on his way back to home base. Mm -hmm. Um, so the question that is kind of like haunted people to this day, and I'm curious what you think, um, is do you think that the Zodiac killer expected that they would live? Well, you said they didn't, right? Well, one of them does. One of them does. Yeah. I don't think so. It does not sound like he did. And it also, and I thought this before when you were describing one of the earlier um, attempts to murder, it sounded like, or it seems like, I don't think he expected any of these people to live. I don't think he's thinking like that. Yeah, I agree with you. But is there evidence that he was? I don't know. I guess they thought that maybe because he was in like this disguise and he was so brazen about it that like there was a part of him that maybe wanted them to live to be able to like tell the tale almost like very Jack oh, the Ripper oh, style. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't think he thought, I mean, Jesus, like stabbing somebody to death that many times. And also based on his previous killings where like he walked away and then went back and shot the people multiple times again, just to like finish the job. I agree. I Mm -hmm. I feel like he did not come out of this thinking that they were going to live. Question. When they were able to eventually get out of like the hog tie on their hands, he had not adjusted or tampered with it because clearly you said he, that he had tightened both of their hands before he had done what he, before he stabbed them. Did he, do they remember anything or maybe this isn't in the research, but I'm curious if they remember anything of like before, he left. He like slightly undid their arms while they were like nearly passed oh, out. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't know. Um, gosh, I really don't know. 
because that would be definitive for me that he brought them to the brink of death where they were weak enough that they couldn't come after him because I'm assuming what he would have done is he stabbed them until they're nearly passed out, nearly unconscious, slightly loosens maybe the hog tie of the guy if he thinks that he's stronger or he's like not quite as close to death because he then has to buy himself some time to get up the hill, get to their car, write on the car, leave the symbol and the messages, get out of his disguise and then start driving. Yeah. Oh my God. The timing of this is really interesting to me. That's so crazy too that I've never even thought about that, that he had to get out of that damn disguise. Like where, like that disguise lived somewhere, lived in somebody's house. Like, like it's could still possibly be around. (laughs) It's reminded me a lot of, um, I'm not sure if you know this story, the beast of Jersey. This is a Jersey is an island off um, the coast of France. And it was, an island um but it was more of like i think it was off the coast of france they were terrorized by this man who was known as the beast of jersey who would stalk the neighborhoods at night in a rubber mask that smelled horrific and he would basically climb into windows of like young women who lived alone and he would lure them out in the middle of the night by rope and assault them and this went on for like it's if I ever send you pictures of what this is because they eventually find the disguise but it's reminding me of that because that disguise that mask lived in his car full time because he would travel by car to like go to all these locations at night and there were like months and months and months that this was going on eventually he got pulled over for something completely unrelated it was like speeding or something but they had still not determined who is the beast of Jersey and the officer noticed in the back seat that looks like a rubber mask. And that's how they eventually caught the guy. Oh if I God. send you a picture, you will <laughs> if you see what this looked like. It Stop. is wretched. Like Stop. Okay, when we're when we finish this, like we need to drop in the chat links to the Zodiac uh we disguise really and the Beast of Jersey <laughs> disguise. And then we'll just both pass out. Yeah. <laughs> recording never ends recording like literally 10 hours like part like (laughs) part two through 10 or just us barely breathing on the other line i'm barely i mean that is an insane is that like the the final like finale of his like killing spree or does this go on for even longer no so he has one more um so what ends up happening is cecilia and brian are rushed to uh queen valley hospital um brian ends up living uh, and Cecilia Shepard eventually dies from her injuries two days later, which is just so heartbreaking. Oh. Um, crazy thing, Brian uh, Hartwell is it Hartwell or Hartnell? I what did I say? Brian <laughs> asking the wrong broad. I, don't I know, know. I'm like, wait, I, Hartnell. Okay, <laughs> Brian Hartnell ends up visiting the set of the Zodiac movie while they're filming it. Like he gets invited. And ends up having invited. He gets invited to come to the set, which is so crazy to me. Can you imagine being like down to go do that? First of all, I guess it is I like some like that forty odd like years conversation. later. Well, with like production, I, I guess yeah, maybe time heals all wounds. I guess but I can't even imagine like sitting like in a production meeting and being like, we should invite victims to the set of this movie. That's oh, wild. Well, he appears in the movie, which is even crazier. They gave him a cameo. Oh, my God. Yes. It, it's so nuts. Um, but anyways, like, I thought that that was so crazy when I was in the research. I was like, holy crap. Like, this guy must be a 
beast, like to <laughs> like just mentally be strong enough to like not only physically like and mentally do what he did that day, but like be mm-hmm. down to like visit the set of a movie that really like stayed true to what actually happened and yeah. be in it. Like, <laughs> holy shit. bizarre, like psychological standpoint to that. Of, yeah. Of, like maybe he, you could like crave the closure or like maybe the control of like see reliving that setting in a similar way, but you have more right? control because you can visually see that it's fake. It's fabricated. It's a story. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. That is really traumatic and heavy. Yeah, like maybe some sort of con- like claiming back the narrative, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like taking Nuts. taking ownership or something. Yeah. Oh, so how you doing? Are you ready for the final? This is the finale. I'm very shaky <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's because yeah. I still haven't eaten anything. I know. I need, <laughs> I'm like quivering. I, you need some peanut butter or something. <laughs> my as my dad would say, get him a coke. Just like a coke will solve everything. Get him a coke. Oh my God. I used to have that philosophy in college. I used to think when I was hungover, I'm like, grape juice will solve everything. And I would go to my dining hall and I would get grape juice and truly believe that it was healing. (laughs) It's crazy. It's healing me. It is. It is healing. Honestly, any juice is healing. It was not not real juice. Yeah, it's not. It's sugar. It's sugar, baby. It was straight sugar. It was like the (laughs) fate. It was like grape concentrate mixed with sugar. Well, I'm going to need that too because I'm like short of breath as I'm like reading all this because it is so heavy. Like it's just so, oh God. It's like a, it's right. a crushing story. I'm, I'm it really, really is. excited to hear about the, final, the final act of this. All right. So here we go. Well, his only, his final confirmed act, like keep in mind there were like, I think probably upwards of like 12 other killings that zodiologists think he was responsible for. But this was his wow. final confirmed killing. So uh, the next Zodiac killing would come two weeks later. On Saturday, October 11th, 29-year-old Paul Stein, who was a taxi driver in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco, picked up a male passenger. This passenger gives him a destination in the Presidio Heights area of San Francisco. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and I'm not quite sure when I was doing the research, like everybody emphasizes this, and I'm not quite sure why it's so important, but I figure it's worth mentioning that Whatever reason, the driver uh, ends up driving a block past the intended drop-off intersection. Um, oh, okay. Which people, I, I don't know if people cite that as like maybe like the Zodiac was so like emotionally unstable that he just like flips out on this guy because he like didn't drop him off where he was supposed to. I'm not quite sure why people, um, it also might be like a location-wise thing, uh, and I'll explain mm-hmm. that. Uh, based on like eyewitnesses that might also be part of why people include in the research always um but anyways he starts to drop this guy off and then all of a sudden paul stein is shot at point blank range in the back of the head with a nine millimeter handgun by his passenger oh my god what the hell so three teenagers who are across the street from the car uh up in like a second floor second story window uh, see this killer. They hear the gunshot. They see. They look out. They see this killer get out of the car, go to the passenger side, and take what looks to be like taking his driver key, like wallet. And they kind of just thought they were witnessing a robbery. 
Um, yeah. But they end up calling the police to report what they were watching in real time. Um, they wow. give a description. They say it's a white male, looks to be in his late 30s, early 40s. He's got reddish blonde, crew cut hair, and eyeglasses, which is like, like that's great. Those are really descriptive, like distinct things. Yeah, I've got an image in my mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So as police make their way to the scene, they did, in fact, see a man that fit that exact description but they didn't stop. Why? Because the initial description that went out to dispatch said that this was a black male. Oh, so this is just some racist shit. This, this just started some, with... Either racist or county police, baby. They just screwed it up. Say, it was I'm a like, botch job. For one, yeah, county getting involved and missing the actual target by passing the target is like yeah. a cut and dry description of county police exactly exactly so this is something that still haunts zodiac and uh you know true crime fanatics to this day because it's widely believed that police did in fact pass and or stop the zodiac killer and question him that day and they let him him get away they they stopped him (laughs) now so wait so this is where we have to go off of the letters uh which i'll get to in just a second we're not totally sure if they stopped him but they do they did pass somebody and they corroborated that they did pass somebody that that, that exact description. Mm-hmm. So police approach the intersection. They find Paul Stein in the vehicle dead. The weirdest part is that part of his shirt is cut off, like very clearly cut. And so the cab is processed for fingerprints and they did find some. Uh, in particular, they found one pretty clear one on the door handle that was covered in Paul Stein's blood. So initially, they believe that this is a killing uh, that's a robbery gone wrong. They didn't actually go to, oh, this might be the Zodiac. Uh, it didn't really fit his typical victim profile. So I was going to say, this is a deviation from like yeah. going after couples, like young couples. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that is kind of why people try to like maybe pinpoint, like, was it really just that he dropped him off at the wrong spot and like he was having a rough day? I'm not quite sure. But they didn't immediately go to the Zodiac. Um then, well, he's also going backwards, too, because he's, yeah. again, using a gun when it seemed like from the two weeks prior, he had graduated on to using a knife. Totally. And, like, this is a cheap shot. Like, that's yeah. that's an easy kill. Like, you're just in the passenger seat and this cab driver is, you know, trusting cab driver. Like, it's a cheap, it's a cheap shot. Like, he definitely has not. The confidence that we saw with the lake uh, killings is no more. Um But anyways, so he gets himself, I guess, gets the confidence back up. And two days later, a letter reaches the San Francisco Chronicle. The letter reads, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a blood-stained piece of his shirt. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) I am the same man who did in the people in the North Bay area. So the... Uh, Brian and Cecilia murders. The San Francisco police could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their motorcycles, seeing who could make the most noise. The car drivers should have just parked their cars and sat there quietly waiting for me to come out of cover. Okay, get ready. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, just shoot out the front tire, and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. (gasps) Signed, the Zodiac. 
So <laughs> as you can imagine, panic is about to ensue in the Bay Area. Um, yeah. I would pull my kids out of school. Totally. Totally. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, the the Chronicle or the Examiner. No, this is the Chronicle. They're the only ones that have this information yet. Um, so they're reading this day of like, what the hell are we going to do? And as you can imagine, they're thinking the Zodiac Killer is not shy. He follows through on what he says he's going to do. He's brazen. Yeah. And like, we got something's going to happen. Then something extraordinarily odd happens. A week later, on October 22nd, 1969, the Zodiac Killer calls into the Oakland Police Department. This gets so weird. So his request is that Melvin Belly or Francis Lee Bailey, who were two high-profile lawyers at the time in that area, uh, should go on a local chat show that was called the Jim Dunbar Show later that day. He mm-hmm. said... If you if the, if they go on the show, I will call in. So Melvin Belly agrees to appear on the show, which you can watch clips of on YouTube to this day. I'm pausing because I hear your breath. Because <laughs> I'm losing it is why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay. So he goes on the show. This high profile lawyer, Melvin Belly, and. A man eventually does call into the show via telephone, claiming that his name is Sam uh, and says he's the infamous Zodiac killer. Uh, He goes on to say he's been experiencing these massive headaches. Um, His killings are like things he can't control. He's psychologically unwell. Um, And they're actually like they're maintaining whether it's a facade or whatever, but they're maintaining Mm -hmm. this empathetic um, facade, I guess on the show. Um, Melvin says, we'll get you help. Like we just need to know who you are. So we feel like we're getting somewhere. And then sadly, the trace calls back then, or was that like a a no go? They they were able to trace calls. Turns out this is a hoax. The person that called into oh. the Oakland Police Department, it's not the actual Zodiac Killer. It's oh, an, son of a bitch. Yes, I was yes. so on the ride. I know, I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> so freaking annoying. I know. It turns out that this guy is named Eric Weil. He lives in the San Francisco area. He is sick in the head, uh, but he just wanted to impersonate the Zodiac Killer, went to great lengths to do this. And because it was like so, like we were in it at this point, like we, like they had just had that last killing. Um, people were taking this super freaking seriously, of course. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a deviation of resources because you're listening. Wait, so, but the letter that came in to the Chronicle was the Zodiac. That was that not That was the, the Zodiac, yes. Interesting, okay. Yeah, and so what they end up doing actually is they have, um, to this day, there's only five people that have ever heard the actual voice of the Zodiac, um, that was the dispatch that took the call from the payphone after the Napa attack, uh, mm-hmm. the dispatch that took the call after the July 4th attack, and then uh, the dispatch that took the call after the um, that first December killing. And then, of course, Brian Hartnell, who was the victim that went on to live from the Napa killing. Um, and so they have all five of those people corroborate that the voice that came on the Jim Dunbar show was definitely was not, not him. the Zodiacs. Yeah. yeah. Do they ever so, see what he does sound like? Has anyone ever done like, I don't know, it's difficult to ask people to do an impression of that, but I would just, I'm so curious to like hear what that voice sounds like. His you timbre. know what? 
I should have done more research on that. And I think I actually did, but I don't want to misquote. I do think, because if you go and you listen to the Jim Dunbar show audio, um, Mm -hmm. it it just sounds like a typical male voice, honestly, but a little bit higher pitched. I want to say that Brian Hartnell said that Zodiac had a pretty deep voice um, and he was a large person. Um, A large person? Yeah. It's been oh, another, I thought another up thing. until this point, I had been imagining, because I thought like one of the earlier descriptions was like about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, they did, yeah. So one of the earlier descriptions, I, I don't know if the Zodiac ended up putting on some pounds, but later on, um, it's kind of... Oh, like a heavy set person. Gotcha. Yeah, like he becomes more heavy set, um, at least by the time he murders Brian Hartnell, I guess. Um, so, um, but actually, that's, that's a good point that you bring that up, because in the research, I did see like varying accounts of his description, which I think is also like just really frustrated zodiologist to I was this day. Ask, is there ever, has there ever been some sort of a theory or avenue here where he wasn't acting alone or is that way off the table? <gasps> Ooh. Oh, that's so weird. I didn't even think about that. Um, I think people are, that's a really, really good point you bring up. I think people are so enveloped in the idea that this was like a solo serial killer that right, like yeah. maybe Zodiac, people are just like, like missing it. They're like missing even going into that. Um, that's so. That's so interesting. You say that, yeah, because that seems like it could definitely be a possibility. Well, just <laughs> like think about like Zodiac how some of the timing of this people. like adds up, but also how some of this is orchestrated. I'm like, it seems like there are like ideas coming in here to like enact some of this that come from like multiple thoughts, like multiple yeah. different people. Um, totally. But also the timing of like being able to do these things have time to like leave the breadcrumbs, but also, you know, get away in time. In my mind, I'm like, this could very well have been orchestrated by like one to two people, maybe. That is such a a good point. I never have thought about that. That is a really good point. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why you listen to Creep Time. (laughs) That's so true. Wow. No, it's so true because, and I'll tell you that later on, um, he started sending more and more letters even after his killings, but um, mm. some of the letters to this day, like they can't definitively say are his based on like discrepancies between the handwriting or how he signs it. That was going to be my other question. I'm like, is yeah. every letter consistent? Huh. Yeah. Some of them are not. So that's a really good point. Really, really good point. Baby, you might need to become a zodiologist. Baby, I'm a mama. <laughs> <laughs> Also, that's so. It's because close I'm to so hungry that I'm like I'm I'm getting fed by this. Is the I thing. know I it's know I know me. you poor thing. Oh my god! I promise I'm gonna wrap up soon so you can eat something if you can stomach. No, it. I'm more so concerned that like creepers can hear my stomach literally grumbling through this because not oh only god, am no. I starving but I'm so scared from everything oh you're telling me that oh, my organs baby. are shutting down. Oh my god! No! Oh god! Oh god! Okay, I promise you, it's almost <laughs> over. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Like I said, Paul Stein would remain the last confirmed victim of the Zodiac, though it is believed mm-hmm. he may have killed dozens more people. Um, the San Francisco papers would receive letters for the next five years from the Zodiac. Um, and some of these are over the next five years. Like some of them are definitely the Zodiac killer. Some of them in the later years, they think may or may not be, but um, at least one of them in the later years was definitely him. And I'll get into that. Um, so, One of the most notable and just months after uh, a month after Paul Stein's murder would come uh, a uh, letter known as the dripping pen letter. 
And this was on November mm. 8th, 1969. So this is when it gets really like these, if you go back and look at these in like the, um, uh, like scanned versions of them online, this is where I get so mm-hmm. freaking freaked out because he starts sending greeting cards basically. And he'll like take a little greeting card and then like add his own, like, like, writing onto it or like little flourish and they're like little riddles so this one is a greeting card with if you can imagine like an old school pen that's upside down and like a droplet of ink is coming out of it and it says Mm -hmm. sorry i haven't written but i just washed my pen and like that's from the greeting card company like that's their their text and then on the inside of that card says this is the zodiac speaking i thought you would need a good laugh before you hear the bad news you won't get the news for a while yet P.S. Could you print this news cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I am ignored. So lonely I could do my thing and I can't do a thing with it. So he ends up going on to call his like killing. He keeps calling it my thing. So my thing. Interesting. My thing. Yeah. So with the next letter came another cipher that would remain unsolved for 50 plus years. And this is that cipher that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that it was solved by two cryptographers in December of, ni- of uh, 2020, 1920, oh, I'm 2020. dying to know what it says. I need All right, to know. Imagine, imagine in the freaking pandemic, you crack one of the Zodiacs uh, ciphers. Like, let's just, let's just lay that out. So uh, these three guys end up... Uh, decoding it and it says i hope you were having lots of fun trying to catch me that wasn't me on the tv show which brings up a point about me i am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because now i have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they uh, where everyone else will have nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death i am not afraid because i know that my new life is life that will be easy on in paradise death so it kind of like doesn't make a ton of sense but hmm. how crazy is that it's a cipher about that dude that called into the jim dunbar show and he yeah. says that wasn't me can you imagine reading that in 2020 I, I absolutely cannot. If I ever cracked something like that, I think I would actually spiral out. I'm more so Same. curious about the timing of this letter. So this came, this was a letter that was obtained around November, I think you said, right? November 1969? Yeah, November 8th. Or December? Yes. November, no, 8th. November 8th, 1969. It's the timing of it's interesting because this is following his fourth and final confirmed kill that we know yeah. of. But it's funny that he chose the subject of death even though he's exclaiming i'm not afraid of death i'm not afraid of death but there is a reason he chose to talk about thinking about his own death, thinking about getting caught thinking about the gas chamber it almost feels like the paranoia of the police finally catching on to him is setting in you are maybe i'm reading into it but this is (laughs) my wait you're so smart that's exactly what people yeah that's exactly what people say this is when with that paul stein case and we're going to get into it because he sends another letter the very next day. So you can tell that he's like antsy. This is on November 9th, 1969. Mm. But you are so smart because it's very clear that he's he realizes how close he got to getting caught from that Paul Stein yeah. murder and how careless it was. Because had that dispatch about them thinking it was a blackmail been correct, he most likely everybody pretty much that I was reading in the research has said to this day, he most likely would have been caught would have been really, that could have been the day where it all ended. The whole thing came crashing down. Yep. And so 
this is going to send you. On November 9th, the very next day, the Zodiac mails a seven-page letter, which became known as the Bus Bomb Letter. In this letter, the Zodiac claims that he has, quote, killed seven people and that he has, quote, grown rather angry with the police for telling their lies about me, end quote. So this is where he's going to launch into trying to throw the scent off, and it's very clear that he is scared shitless that he's going to get caught. So Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, starts listing. He says um, that he's too clever for the police, um, and he starts listing out um, numerically like things that they've missed or things that they've gotten wrong. So he writes one, I look like the decision passed out. I think he meant description passed out Mm -hmm. only when I do my thing. The rest of the time I look entirely different. So there's this famous um, like sketch that's gone out of the Zodiac killer. When you Google Zodiac killer, you'll see it. That I Um, do think I've seen. I think I've seen that in headlines. Yeah, and it definitely kind of like matches the um, description of the Paul Stein killing, like the light hair. The crew cut, the glasses. Yep, the crew yeah. cut. Yep. So he says, uh, the rest of the time I look entirely different. I shall not tell you what my disguise consists of when I kill. So he probably looks just like that, that description. Two, as of yet, I have left no fingerprints behind me, contrary what, to what the police say. In my killings, I wear transparent fingertip guards All it is is two coats of airplane cement coated on my fingertips, quite unnoticeable and very effective. Three, my killing tools have been bought through the mail order outfits before the ban went into effect, except one, and it was bought out of the state. So I looked this up. This was like a ban that you couldn't order order guns through the mail. Um, Wow. Oh, because of this specifically? We've really come so far. No, there was just a ban that was happening. Yeah, we've really developed. Um, It was just a ban that was happening, I guess, at the time. Um, So that's what he's referencing. Um, And then he goes on. He says, so as you can see, the police don't have much to work on. If you wonder why I was wiping the cab down, I was leaving fake clues for the police to run all over town with, as one might say. I gave the cops so busy work to do to keep them happy. I enjoy needling the blue pigs. Hey, blue pig. I was in the park. You were asking fire trucks to mask the sound of your cruising prowl cars. Two cops pulled a goof about three minutes after I left the cab. I was walking down the hill to the park when this cop came, pulled up, and one of them called me over to ask if I saw anyone acting suspicious or strange in the last five to ten minutes. And I said yes. There was this man who was running by with a gun, and the cops peeled rubber and went around the corner as I directed them, and I disappeared into the park, a block and a half away, never to be seen again. Oh my God. Has that been corroborated? Like, has anyone talked to County? (laughs) So I think I should have done more research on this. I'm pretty sure that the cop in question did go on to say that they talked to a guy that was kind of fit the description. Um, They definitely like, like saw a guy, but I think it's been, it's Mm -hmm. not certain if this cop actually stopped and talked to a guy. Um, but I should probably go back and Imagine I can go back that and research cop that. And like going back and like learning that, that the person that you interviewed, <laughs> what you were looking face to face with the Zodiac killer. Totally. Like there's something really eerie <laughs> about that. Do you know, do you know what I mean though? About, um, yeah. Like be like going back or like thinking back and realizing that you were in the midst of like, or the presence or the space of something where something very dark and sinister happened. Yeah. Shortly after. 
like I think about that in college with um I don't know if you remember that um when there was like a kid in my college who was a murderer and he was on the run like on foot during covid oh my god he in like the apartment that he had i guess like off campus he had lived there with like several other guys i think he was like a bouncer at one of the nearby bars so uh, it turns out my sister had actually been to a party at that house or no sorry her friend had been to a party at that house and then she said that her friend when they went to go use the bathroom they went into this guy's room this was well before no. the murders and they were like taking pictures and sending them to people because written all over his walls and she she showed me these pictures i'm like i'm like mel is this evidence like no. have, do police know about this written on the walls were all of these dark inner thoughts like sometimes i think about killing people sometimes no, no, i think no, no, about no, no. killing myself he oh goes my am i human am i gay like wild <sighs> thoughts going through his head and they thought it was like this guy is psychotic I don't think like they realistically could have anticipated that this kid was going to go on a rampage and then travel on foot. There was a manhunt for him, a manhunt. And, and I just right got there. so they were in the thick of it like weeks, weeks to months before the whole thing happened. There's something so sinister to me about thinking back to like you were you were in the midst of like something that was unfolding that was so dark. <sighs> That that's what I, I so sorry to go on, off, but like that's what I was thinking about this cop. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's honestly like, well, I think in those moments you realize just how capable humans are of being absolutely like your, our favorite like word. evils around Sinister, every corner evil human in beings. a strange way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I've got to send you these pictures. I'm sure I've oh sent them God. to you a long time ago in the past, maybe over like over the pandemic. But yeah, when she sent me those, I was on the floor. I, I like, freaking... need to see those. Am I human? God. Am I? Gay? I can't. I can't. Am I going to kill like somebody? Inner, inner workings. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Heaven to be help fair, us. I ask myself that every day. I'm like, am I human? I am I gay? Same. <laughs> I'm like, am I a gay man? Am I? <laughs> Not to make light of a horrific situation, no, no, but no, I'm no, giving no. a little Not bit of levity because this all. has been a heavy, heavy. I know case. this is so heavy, and this is a long ass case. Maybe we're gonna split this. I don't know if we are, but holy. I my sure God. as hell will not. Usher's okay, will not. creepers are in. Creepers for are a in for a treat. three and a half hour treat. <laughs> is this three and a half hours? <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay, I think okay, we're Jesus. like close to two. I was going to say, that's like the Titanic. Like, <laughs> I don't two deserve VHS that tapes, amount of air time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Okay, so let me, let me cinch, tether, bring us back. So Button. Let me button. Button. Let me button it up. Okay, so now keep in mind on uh, this letter that he sends in, um, mm-hmm. on the page where he's saying like, what, like how they've screwed up, like that one, two, three that I was just listing with a little arrow on the side. Like this is so juvenile to me with a little arrow going all the way down. And then on the side of the paper, it says must print in paper. So like he's telling them like, like, Hey, I'm highlighting the section for you that the rest of this can go in the shredder, but I need you to print this part. And the part is where they've messed everything up. So it's very clear that he's like freaking out, like, and he wants the public to, have the scent thrown off and like for people to get off his back. Um, 
Now, as you may recall, I, the, I called these the bus bomb letters. So at the end of the letter, he mm-hmm. goes into this detailed plan of a bomb he's designed that he claims he's already planted and he's configured in the ground that's going to basically wipe out an entire school bus uh, when it like oh trips my it. God. And remember that like previous letter they had sent in, he said like... Yeah, he was going to shoot out the front tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was curious about killing kids. Um so and then actually later on um, in an additional letter, I think he goes on to say like because it ends up not happening, uh, obviously. And um, he writes in another letter and says like, oh, it didn't work because like I had messed something up. But he says something and it might be in this letter. He says like, I don't really like killing kids because they can't try to like shoot me back. Like it's just too easy. Like like so he's he's what? starting he to like a, lose shot the a thread. driver in the side. Of I know. The head. I know he's like starting to lose the thread. Like it's, it's, he's starting to like go off the deep end here. So unravel a bit. Yeah. He's unraveling. Yeah. So, um, in conclusion, uh, the killing of Paul Stein would be the last known confirmed killing that the Zodiac made. Um, but there's several other, like I said, uh, killings throughout the next couple of years in the early seventies in San Francisco that many people believe were the Zodiac's killings, but they haven't been Mm. able to determine, uh, that this is in fact true. Um, there will be over a dozen more letters that are sent to the San Francisco Chronicle and Paul Avery, uh, the editor, and I believe that's who Jake Gyllenhaal played in the movie. Um, Paul Avery in particular starts getting targeted by the Zodiac and starts receiving like letters specifically addressed to him, which is largely, I think a lot of that movie is like based around that narrative of like, like you kind of mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, like that feeling of, Oh God, like, I'm I'm involved in this now. Like my life is now about this. Like my safety, and my security. I'm like in the thick of this by nature of my job. Um, so those are really interesting to look at. Um, in particular, there is one dated on October 27th, 1970, and it's like this little. Like I said, mm. he starts sending these cards, and he sends a Halloween card specifically addressed to Paul Avery, um, and it leaves the number 14 on it which people started to interpret as he's up to 14 killings at this point yeah yeah um and he goes on to do that in pretty much every other uh letter that he writes um the last letter was postmarked uh july 8th 1974 Mm -hmm. um and then wait wait wait, let me back up i just lost my place uh wait uh, can i ask a question actually yeah, yeah 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 I, I was curious about, has there ever been a theory? What was the name of the editor of the paper? Paul Avery. Has there ever been a theory that he is the Zodiac? Or am I way off the deep end? Oh my God. He that is would be fabricating so these letters to himself. <laughs> that would be crazy. Maybe That'd I'm writing crazy. my own narrative, but it just seems like so much of the, the convenience of like how the Zodiac seems to know like, he just he, he seems to like understand like press and like editorial a little bit and like yeah. print this section in the paper and like I want this on the front page and it's so interconnected to those publications but specifically he's the editor of the Chronicle right yeah uh, and also like the direct targeting to him I don't know that's so weird oh my god I've never thought about that um I think the only I'm really thing flying might... off the rails right now. <laughs> The only thing that might throw that off is that they did try to do pretty extensive DNA testing of the saliva on the envelopes. 
Um, oh, and it was not a and match. And I feel like it was not, I mean, it was definitely not a match to Paul Avery. Um, so, or at least, I mean, I, I assume they would have ruled him out. Um, well, maybe this also ties into my other theory that the Zodiac is a two-person job. Yes. Yeah. Holy <laughs> I'm going to write a book. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. Oh, my God. These are such good theories. Wow. Um, I'm shook. <laughs> Whoa. Um, that's really, really interesting. Wow. Um, I didn't mean to derail us. I was no. Just like, I'm glad you did because I I was already derailing myself in the research. Um, well, I was just because he, get, he gets yeah. mentioned so many times. I'm like, I just wonder. I'm like, has anybody really like lo- taken a deeper look into this editor, this guy who's like seems to be the focal point of like how all of the messaging is getting to not only the like the press and like the public, but the police in some ways. Yeah, is the first point of contact. Totally. That's so know. interesting that you say that. Um. Let me also just say I misspoke. That was not the final letter. I had the wrong date. That's why I got tripped up. So it, I was going into the Halloween letter on October 27th, 1970 that was addressed to Paul Avery. Okay. And then the next letter, which was postmarked on March 13th, 1971, was particularly, oh, okay. wow. yeah, 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 particularly haunting because uh, it left people wondering. Um, and this is all of these victims that people believe may or may not have been the Zodiac. Um, mm-hmm. They're very loosely based in any real evidence, but there's one in particular that people are pretty fixated on, which is the killing of a young woman named Sherry Joe Bates near Riverside city college on October 30th, mm-hmm. 1966. Um, and uh, yeah, it would have been before his first killing that we know is confirmed of Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday. Um, and in this letter, uh, the Zodiac killer uh, goes on to say he's impressed that the police picked up on his quote Riverside activity quote. Um, so people think that's he's pressed. Pressed, he's, you said? No, he's impressed. Oh, impressed. Impressed. Oh, impressed. Like, Girl, I'm he's pressed. pressed. Hell. <laughs> he's <laughs> pressed. <laughs> you know he is pressed at this point. Like he's like, what's going on? What is my narrative? What is my storyline? How am I getting yeah, written into season two? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like totally. Um, so and interesting enough, this letter actually, and like this is so funny you're saying that because this letter he sends to the LA Times, which you remember he pretty much only corresponds with the San Francisco Chronicle at this point. And he sends this letter in, I find this kind of hilarious, to the LA Times, uh, telling them that uh the San Francisco Chronicle has been burying him on the back pages. So he expects that they'll post this one or print oh this God. one. Uh, yeah. So he's outsourcing. Oh, wow. Yes, he's outsourcing. Um, so in these later letters, he signs them pretty consistently with this like score between him and the San Francisco PD, where it'll mm-hmm. say SFPD zero, Zodiac seven, or Zodiac 14, or Zodiac 14, gets yeah. up to 37 on his last letter. 37. 37. Wow. So... In that final letter, which is on January 29th, 1974, uh, bear in mind, Paul Stein was uh, 1970, so we're, we're four years out now. Um, and mm. I, this letter in particular to me is just like, I don't want to like make it not sound as, this was definitely very scary and like, I don't want to, um, what's the word? 
make light, I guess, of this letter. But like levity, yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, this letter is like he's truly unhinged. Like it's kind of hilariously unhinged. He says And we really think it's him though? Yes. Yeah. This is a confirmed letter that's him. Quote I saw and think The Exorcist was the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen. Signed yours truly. (laughs) And then the weirdest thing ever, have you ever heard of the Mikado? Like that operetta? I don't think so. Okay. No? What would I have? <laughs> you might have. The only reason I've heard of it is because I know it was popular during this time. And my grandmother used to always talk about the Mikado because she was in it. The Mikado. It's like a <laughs> Wait, Gilbert and Sullivan. It? Yeah. It was like her one starring. <laughs> it was her one like acting role she ever had. But she would always be like, I played Yum Yum in the Mikado. Like it was. <laughs> so it was like a very popular like what? Gilbert and Sullivan E type of show, I guess, at that time. But this is brand new information to me. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. The Mikado. So he goes on. And the and way he... you said, you're like, I figured you would remember it. It was in the 70s <laughs> as if I was around. <laughs> you like, old yeah, hack. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, and you'll really love this. You'll love this. He writes underneath this. So he says, yours, sign yours truly. And he writes like this, like his own version of the lyrics of this song from the Mikado. And it says... He plunged himself into the billowy wave and an echo arose from the suicide grave. And then oh. I think the word is like titawillow, 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 or maybe it's just titwillow, titwillow, titwillow. That's what it looks like. <laughs> and then it says, P.S. If I do not see this note in your paper, I will do something nasty, which you know I am capable of doing. Me, 37, San Francisco Police Department, zero. And that was his mm. last letter. Um, I think interesting. A lot of people believe like this was just like because the last like ego cry. Like this was the ego death for him, and he was just like so high at this point off of being published in like major newspapers. That now he's just mm. reaching. Like he's like not making much sense. But I wanted to get your take on that. That last. Do they still think that he was killing after this letter was sent? Like, are there? I know there are like a lot of kills that may not have been confirmed to have been the zodiac but are there do any of the zodiologists feel that yeah he had killed after this letter was sent yeah you know what um i'm not totally positive i do actually think he did there were a couple of san francisco area killings that happened in like the late 70s that people um that might have been tied to him yeah okay. that might have been because this is 1974 i think there are some that are in the later part of the 70s that people think might have been him when do they suspect he might have died I mean, just even if it was like a natural death, like age wise, because he was suspected to be like in his 30s or 40s in the 60s or like early 70s. So uh, like maybe like the 90s, they think he could have been around. Yeah. Well, some people think that actually like one of the suspects that people really looked at um, was a man that was he was 80 years old at the time that he died. But that was in 2018, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if the timing of that would have. Well, actually again you're asking the wrong broad to do math live on the podcast (laughs) same way too much for me to bear i know i know i could barely calculate my own age earlier (laughs) um i'm joking i'm getting dry mouth i know i I, I, i'm getting dry mouth too when yeah, it's we're we're gonna button this up. I promise, um, creepers. If you're still here, God bless. You've been on the ride. 
<laughs> and I've given you tit willow, tit willow, tit willow to cap this. Like, how absurd is that? Like, we go through all of that, and then, like, that's how it ends. That letter. In some strange way. But you know what's actually funny about you bringing that up in this? What was the movie it was connected to again? The Mercados? Uh, the Mercado. It was a play. The Mercado. Like mu- okay, mu- it was a musical. play. Okay, it was a musical, but it wasn't. It was a movie. I they did end up making a movie out of it, I think. But the the thing that was famous at the time was this like Gilbert and Sullivan like operetta y type of thing. It was a live show. A live show, and you said your grandmother was in that. Yeah. Wow. In some weird way, you are connected to this strange string of events of the Zodiac, I guess. He's <laughs> I referencing guess. that. That's weird. I guess. He is just as unhinged as me, I guess, at the end of it. Like, this whole thing about <laughs> the exorcist being a comedy, signed yours mm. truly. And the, but you know what I do think, like, to make this sound a little bit more serious, the one thing about this that I do find really creepy is the suicide grave thing. And you do kind of wonder, yeah, if he was like starting to contemplate maybe taking his own life. Well, because you have to think about like, what did he really get out of it? And I don't think it was just, I really don't think it was just the thrill of killing because we've seen that a lot of times with these other, these guys who go on these rampages, these serial killers, you know, they, they do enjoy the act of killing and they truly are on the run. They're out of sight, out of mind. They're in hiding. That is not him. He's yeah. very much like in the thick of his own narrative, his own public narrative and how the totally. movie is unfolding. I think that is what he's really after. He, The byproduct of that is him just murdering people because it is the most volatile, salacious, and horrific thing you can do to get a headline. Totally. It's like, I'm honestly, it ends that. really tragically. Yeah, I mean, tragically, obviously, because the victims were only one of them ever survived and Mm -hmm. but just tragic and eerie because of how deranged this person was like you know he was just absolutely a miserable insane person like to go to these like he he lost the one thing that was keeping him afloat which was never the thrill of the kill it was the attention the attention of the world and then after years go by and suddenly you're not really garnering the kind of clout or excitement or horror that you once were. It's like, what does he have left if he doesn't have the attention of the public? Exactly. That's why I was curious. I was like, after this kind of like pseudo suicide note, I was curious to hear if there were any confirmed or unconfirmed suspect killings, but it kind of sounds like there were. I think, let me just look really quick. Um, I want to say there were, um, let's see. Can I also start looking up pictures now? Oh my God, please. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, the creepers need that. I need you. Wait, can I start dropping them like you do to me sometimes? Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, okay, okay. Them. Hold on, hold on. Put them ah! in the chat, baby. Okay, hold on. Um, put them in the chat. Um, Come on, put it in the chat, girl. <laughs> Did you like that picture of me in my Missouri core that I resurrected the Oh other day? my God, I loved, 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 loved. <laughs> you were honestly like ahead of Gen Z. you know i kind of was it's very coded in that way let's see let me check the chat you're gonna flip hold on okay this is my stomach's already so weak (laughs) this is what people thought he like probably looked like when he approached brian hartwell and cecilia in that um lake okay all right clicking now zodiac killer.com oh my god (laughs) 
That's not what I was envisioning. That's like an executioner's hood. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like, I was imagining like a ghost face, like scream hood. And then he had a, like, I don't know what I was thinking of, like a tinted glass plate in front of his head. I don't know why I was thinking that. No, he like, he basically had an executioner's hood on and then his symbol and then like these weird like lenses on, like fastened to the hood. Okay. Yeah. This most definitely feels like he intended for at least one of them to survive to be able to tell the tale. Why is he? Yeah. Because he's wearing this thing with a symbol on it. Yeah. So freaking weird. How um, tall is he supposed to be? Like 5'8 is what some of the reports said. Um, yeah. Looks short. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to drop like one of the letters because I think you're going to just lose your shit. I'm so scared as I like toggle back and forth between like the pictures in the chat. I'm going to accidentally close out of our recording. I know. I know. Um, (laughs) It's like not much else can like go awry at this point. I know. We've like already ended this episode like five times. (laughs) Gotten back on. (laughs) Um, Okay. This was his July 31st letter. Um, July 31st. Which I think was his first one. July 31st was his first one. So 68. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is was, just the first. This was letter. after Dear the editor, second murder. The, yeah. And this was the letter that accompanied um, the ciphers that he ended up like splitting up between the three. Uh, you know what I'm also thinking if I'm leaning into my little like editor theory um, about some of the intentional misspellings, that would be a really really interesting approach if i was an editor and i was planting these letters to send to my own newspaper yeah. to throw the scent off my trail okay you could honestly like that's a whole series that you could write yeah i'm like i think i need to reimagine the zodiac and maybe maybe that editor is not so his hands aren't as clean as we think yeah i wonder if he's still alive um the, the other person that I is get alive. Sued, served and sued <laughs> I was going to say, girl, you better watch out for Paul Avery. Yeah, oh, my defamation God. Defamation suit headed my way. Um, the let of me... Paul Avery is deeply saddened to hear of <laughs> Creep Time, the podcast's <laughs> coverage of the Zodiac Killer. Okay, so I'm going to drop in the chat um, the diagram of, like, the bus bombing that he was planning. So okay, okay. let me drop Let's that. See. Um, precisely what i expected unhinged malicious you know what's really funny about this handwriting and i I know this isn't an off-color joke but every time i see it i'm like the guy's got to be a doctor the handwriting is so horrible because it's so bad because like yeah because that's like when they write you scripts their handwriting is notoriously horrible yeah totally um i don't know and you'll see, like, this map that I just dropped. Like, his handwriting, yeah, same thing. Like, same kind of, like, little chicken scratch. But mm-hmm. his, like, th- I mean, this drawing is so amateur looking. Like, sunlight in the morning. And he's got, like, a little sun. Yeah, the man's unhinged. I know. But he does could, go could on to say, Could we not piece like, together what, su- what the sun was? I know, I know. <laughs> well, he's... the us to decode? I... I that's exactly what I thought. And then I went on like uh, to read his note. And apparently his bomb was supposedly going to be tripped up by the direction of the sunlight, which, okay. Huh? Um, yeah. So if you look at it, it says A and B are photoelectric switches, 
When mm-hmm. sunbeam is broken, A, closes circuit, and I guess these are like ditto marks, B, opens circuit, which mm. makes B the cloudy day disconnect so the bomb won't go off by accident. But he says accident. Yeah, I was looking at that too. I'm like, these spelling mistakes. This grammar. I know. Odd. So bad. But this yeah, is haunting. I mean, this whole thing has truly... I can't think of another case that's really like it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. the Night Stalker is not this at all. I mean, the Night Stalker is horrific in, in that any serial killer is horrific. But something about the Zodiac and this bizarre feeling of like mastermind or i still have this bizarre feeling that there's like some other person or party involved the only thing i can compare it to is do you know the story of lucas magnata no that is a more modern story which is effectively like a duplicate of this story in a lot of ways but it takes place in the age of the internet like leaving breadcrumbs and these like letters and one day when we get on this podcast i will tell you that story did you ever hear of like the horrible video that went around many, many years ago? It's a gore video. It's called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. No. It was essentially a snuff film that got leaked online in like the earlier days of the internet. When I say earlier days, I mean like the 20, I don't know, like maybe 2005, between like 2005, 2015, something like that. And that video was connected to a string of like horrible, horrible crimes that were committed by this person. And I, I don't want to get into like too many details of it because I want to tell you the story. But basically, police could not follow the scent of this man. And there was a group of like online vigilantes who created a Facebook group to track him. He had infiltrated the Facebook group. <gasps> he was on the inside. No. In real time, all of the information. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. So he's deliberately, like, releasing videos and pictures and statements to, like, throw the scent off the trail. And he's simultaneously learning intimate information and locations of the people who are tracking him, these vigilantes. That's so sick and twisted. I Like, my stomach just flipped. Stu, if I really got into the thick of that story, how deep this runs, it would blow your mind but it was the only thing i was thinking of through this i'm like i almost wonder if he took inspiration from the zodiac and his version of this is like a copycat because this is really like the early inception of something like that like leaving yeah a trail i don't know so scary i cannot believe you just put me through that story i'm so sorry (laughs) and i was gonna say and that is is all we know about the zodiac killer (laughs) that's all we know it's like so much information like so much information but yeah it just remains unsolved to this day and i mean you know what i say like with each passing year i think we just get like further and further away from who this person could be but i mean you and i have seen that these these sometimes do get solved years later, but they he did leave behind so much for zodiologists and people to go off of. So also all I want in the world is for those two other ciphers to get cracked someday. And those two, uh, one of them contains uh, apparently the code that would crack in a letter that he wrote. Uh, he like signed it. My identity is, and then he put like dash marks like hangman hmm. with um uh, what I guess would spell it out. But a lot of people have said like 
based on that time that he said, like, I'm not going to reveal my identity, that that's, that's false. It's a fake, uh, code. So, um, yeah. Creepers tune in for a premium episode where Stu and I take six hours to decode (laughs) the cipher (laughs) live on air. (laughs) Honestly, you and I are about to become Donald and Pamela Harden, like that couple that sat around at the table, except we'll be like coming back from like a night out, just like like drinking savvy bee and i'll just like crack it at like 3 a.m could you that would actually bring us such like (laughs) notoriety if we cracked the zodiac cipher like the third or the fourth oh Oh my god that would be amazing but i will make so much for going through this of course are you kidding i was gonna promise you i'm like i am gonna do a premium creep time episode with you we are gonna get into like i want to hear all about the suspects all the i know we didn't even go to suspects I mean, there's just so much to this story, but I'm excited because I, like I said, I have my inklings and my theories in mind, but I want to hear who they got close to and who they've interviewed. Yes. So let's yeah. do that on a premium episode. Yeah. Done and done. Done and done. I'm I'm done and done. My organs are done I am and done. done and done. I know. <laughs> Creepers. In le- I think we did mention this. Silas has not eaten in like hours and I just, or not even at hours. all. And I just not today. threw you I, on your ass. 5 p.m. In LA, and I have yet to eat today. <laughs> it's we've gone through every. The sun has pretty much gone through every part of the sky while we've recorded this episode. <laughs> it's like it feels like half a day in the best way, but it's for all I know, it's so tomorrow. Much. I know <laughs> it's tomorrow. So much. I want to thank you because that was an absolutely amazing uh, rendition of telling the zodiac. I. Would oh not God. have wanted wanted to receive that any other way. I do want to watch the movie. I'm very please excited to watch that movie. Watch, honestly, you need to watch it like tonight. Like now that it's fresh, you'll be so shook. Like it is oh, a really I'm see, really. Fantastic I'm looking to movie. see a production of Annie tonight. I can't. Girl, how many productions of Annie do you go to a week? I won't stop I, till every I'm time dead. I talk to you. You're like I'm going to see Annie. I'm like three bucks, two bags, one. Okay, to be you. fair. Well, Jack and I, everybody knows Jack. He was on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, he got super self-conscious because somebody commented something and saying, like, I don't like him. And I was like, baby, get used to it. Like, Oh, God. I'm sure there's a ton of people that are like, gonna, they're going to hear this episode and be like, Stu's credibility has tanked. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's been my biggest thing, like, with this whole thing. Because uh, Creepers, like, the amount of research that Silas does I, I witnessed now like firsthand what oh that gosh. takes to like, no, like hear me out what that takes to throw that into an actual like, like timeline to go off of and like retell a story well and do it like as well as I think you do. Oh my God. Like, no, I'm not trying to like blow smoke. Like I'm just being dead serious. It takes so much time. Like I creepers thoroughly underestimated like how much, you really have to do to get the research right and like fact check. And so I'm literally fingers crossed hoping that the majority of this was no, correct. You did a phenomenal and... job. You did an absolutely phenomenal oh, job. God. I think that was honestly, I think that was one of our best episodes to date. I can't wait to listen back to it once it's all like strung together from the 17 Me too. different I know. parts. Oh, this is recorded. But that's so oh, sweet. Thank you. I, I mean, also no, to be fair, this a is a beast job. of a case. Like this is a yeah. really big case. So, I, I can I can feel like where that pressure might have come from, but you did such a great job. This but we was owe such it to a good the creepers. telling of it. <laughs> we did. You guys have been asking for this for a long yeah. time. I'm happy we finally yeah. got to give it. 
Yeah. So I jumped should off we the close cliff. Out? It's done. Should we jump Let's out? close it out. <laughs> I'm going to let you I, close us out, baby. I'm going to close us out. Creepers, thank you so much for listening as always. And oh, we forgot to say this earlier, but like, obviously, thank you so much for telling your friends and your family about us and yeah. um, all the really kind like reviews that have come in. Um, we will, you know, sorry, guys, we try not to banter, but we do. <laughs> We do get off track from time to time, but I can never tell. Think, some of them say I love the banter, and some of them are like, they have got to learn to shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> it's they, true. <laughs> Sometimes I do need to shut the hell. <laughs> I think our stories fun. are great. I think they're funny, and I think they add levity and color and context. Yeah. And I'm gonna fight for them. I don't know Same. who I'm fighting, but I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> We're keep fighting the zodiac at this moment. The zodiac <laughs> just wiped us out. Like. It is dark behind me. We started this podcast in daylight and it's now dark. I just noticed that now. I was like, whoa, it is actually. Yeah. yeah. The sun is down. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, Creepers, thank you so much for listening. And we are so excited to catch you on another episode. Yeah. We'll see you guys next Friday. Bye, everybody. Bye.